2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
3: Connecting
4: to the big show. One. three,
0: two, one...
5: The government again
4: putting a band aid on it, similar to the housing crisis. The roads are a disgrace.
6: You have three beautiful
3: sons. He said, Go and treat them to something. I thought,
4: How kind of the stranger? We want a resolution because adults got around the table and realized what needed to happen. Join
0: the conversation! Call 0818
4: Extra WhatsApp 083 396
0: Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This
4: is the opinion line with. PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM.
5: John, getting emails uh, into me about... Oh, morning, by the way. I'm getting emails into people, uh, into me, from about people who are working Christmas Day that I would never have thought could be working Christmas Day. I believe it or not, I've had an email from someone in the dog kenneling business to say... Uh, we're working Christmas Day because we're full, because people put their dogs in when they go on holidays for Christmas. That's the kind of thing I'm doing. Uh, Friday, we want to have the most comprehensive list we can ever have done of people working on Christmas Day. And I'm taking these emails in myself. The lads are busy enough this week without me dropping this one on them. So I'm compiling a list, and I'll try to have the best list ever here Friday morning. Uh, of people who will be working on a Christmas Day. And I don't mind naming individuals either if it comes to that. I have one or two emails in about that. So if you're working Christmas Day or if you're someone who we mightn't realise would be working Christmas Day, like I had no idea that dog kennel people would work Christmas Day which I'm assuming Cattery people also do, let me know. Uh, PJ at 96fm.ie That's PJ at 96fm.ie and we'll give as many people as we can mentions here on Friday for our last show of the year we have four shows left before we all wrap up for the Christmas good morning to you 0818 96, 96, 96 the number of the text or whatsapp is 083 396 96, 96 and your email is opinion at 96fm.ie now there's lots of people out shopping uh, Santa has been bothered twenty four seven, and the toy shops are run off their feet. As should be only be right this time of the year. But Audrey, you were out doing a bit of shopping, and what you saw uh, in or near a toy shop was very, very upsetting. Good morning to you.
7: A uh, good morning. Um, yeah, I um, I was doing my my uh, end of Christmas shopping there yesterday about four o'clock, and. Um, I was just walking around, you know. Finished up work, was walking around. Didn't know what to get. Um, you know, my head was probably somewhere else. And um, so this um, this this gentleman with his son, um, he was trying on some roller skates, and you know they were just having a lovely time. And uh, all of a sudden, it just turned into a, like a, all I can describe. It's like a cage fight.
5: This was the inside in toy shop. Yes, not well, of
7: the shop now. So yep. what happened? I, don't, I, I honestly don't know um, uh, the hatred these two men had for each other. I mean, as I said, this man had, uh, you know, with, uh, using, um, with his child with the rollerblades, having a great time, laughing. All of a sudden, this other man walked past the aisle. These two men looked at each other, and they just ran at each other. That's all I can say. They just ran at each other with full force. So um, in normal circumstances, I would have ran. Um, But all I thought about was that child. Um, He kept screaming for the father. He was trying to get to the father who was on the ground. And they were actually thumping. I mean, there was blood everywhere. I think one of the men was using car keys or something on his head and one other guy's head. I mean, it was actually a brutal force. Um, and I was thinking about this, the child, the child was trying to get at the father to help his father. He kept saying, somebody help my father.
5: So this, um, be just just to get me breath for a second, this yeah. is a very well-known toy shop. We won't say where or when, um, but it was around four o'clock in the afternoon. So there's a man and his son having a laugh, trying on some rollerblades. And then this other man just arrives out of nowhere. And the next thing you know, the two men are hammering lumps of each other on the floor.
7: Uh, yeah I mean very physical. the other man was with uh, another um with a female they obviously i think they were just looking they they were just as customers like the rest of us were customers in the shop and they these two men obviously knew each other because they looked at each other and just ran at each other wow um, and it was very very physical um as I said, uh, they were thumping each other. I mean, clothes were ripped. Uh, they, the, the, the security guard just stood there. I, I wouldn't, I mean, the force that these two were hitting each other, you, nobody in their right mind. And as I said, if I wasn't trying to hold the child back, I would have been out of there straight away. I didn't, you know, I think Mother Nature kind of probably sets in and I was trying to protect the child because if the child had gotten to the father and and he got a punch or something, I, I you know, um, I'd say he'd never have gotten up from it. That's the force that these were two you men are taking each other. To, to... Yes, because I was trying to hold the child back and only for the rollerblades that he'd on him. He was about nine or ten. So the rollerblades were holding, were able, were helping me to hold him back because he was trying to get there. He was trying to crawl and I was pulling him. Um, I was shouting for people to help me. Oh, to hold you were this. this oh,
5: Audrey, it's only coming together in my head now. So you were this close to it that the yes. child that had been trying on the roll, you actually intervened to help keep yes. that child back. Well, well done he to you his, there. His
7: father. Well, you know, I, as I said, I think it was just a, an instinct. All I could see was that child getting a belt from one of these, you know, and you know he would have just been in the middle of it. He was trying to help his father. He kept shouting, "Someone help my father!" And he was trying to get near his father or trying to pull him back. Um, it was it was chaos. Um, now we were very lucky that the shop wasn't that full. I mean, there was families in there with children in that, but it wasn't um, you know it wasn't manic like normally it would be. Manic you know um, and another woman came and, and was trying to help me I think they thought I was the child's mother um, which I wasn't you know because it was I wouldn't blame people it was so forceful the fighting and I mean they were thumping each other and there's blood everywhere clothes ripped that you would—you couldn't intervene in that you know
5: you could not well, well, well done no. and you said to me there was security but the security guard I think was
7: Oh, he was just standing there. There was nothing over... No, he would have been... If he intervened in that, he would have been seriously hurt. Nobody gets paid enough money for that kind of uh, job. He's there probably for shoplifting security. He's not there to intervene as a bouncer um, for these two people. So, you know, it's just when you hear these stories and, you know, about feuds and all of that, um, I'm just assuming and and, uh, assumption that it probably was a feud because they just looked at each other and ran at each other. Or, oh you know, and
5: how did it so, pan out in the end, Audrey?
7: Um, I people started shouting, "Stop!" There's kids in the shop, and and that, and uh, I, it just kind of just stopped. Then, as quickly as it started, because somebody mentioned guards and that, and uh, it, it just vanished. The fo- I was holding the kid, and the father came over and said, "Leave him go, leave him go," and and I just left. Then I just. You know, I good Lord, and actually, when I was sitting in my car after I was kind of sitting there, I was like, Oh my God, what was I thinking? You know, but uh, I wasn't thinking, you know, because it was that physical. Um, you know, if the child wasn't there, I'd have been out of there straight away, you know, yeah,
5: yeah, wow, middle of the day, toy shop yeah. of all places,
7: yeah. But it's just that um, when you hear about Steve, the you know, what's going on now with the different factions of uh, people, you know, are fighting and the gangs and all this. And, and when you see it firsthand, I mean, it's it's very real and it's actually very intimidating. It's very frightening. I, I um, just Sorry is. for anybody who lives in, in areas where this is going on. Yeah.
5: And again, you just come back to how it started. There literally one lad is there. rollerblades with his dad
7: laughing laughing
5: and joking and happy few days to Christmas probably looking what Santa's going to bring or what someone will leave under the Christmas tree and then this other man arrives the two men instantly recognize one another and start tearing lumps out of one another
8: I mean they
7: ran at each other good God
5: yeah you know what it is Audrey and I'll say this without fear of and obviously I know where this happened and we've decided not to Mm -hmm. say if that's the way that you behave Around children in a toy shop, you need a long, hard look at yourself. No matter what the difference is with the other person,
7: yeah, they didn't even—they weren't even in the zone. I mean, they, it was that there was toys going; they were battering each other. Any—they were picking things up. Um, I mean, it was—they weren't even in the zone. The hatred, you know, you could just uh, feel the hatred between the two of them.
5: That's that's that's, and just what a what a place for it to happen, Audrey. Well, well done to you for what you did.
7: Yeah, well yeah. done ah, to you well,
5: A little think- kid could have got hurt only for you.
3: Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. All right, listen. Well, well, well done to you, Audrey. Uh, you're all right now, well- are you? <laughs>
3: I
7: was. I went in to buy some, uh, some toys for some local persons collecting for kids in the area, you know. Yeah. So uh, when I gather myself, I go back in there and, uh, yeah, get a few bits. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, look, I, I just see how fortunate that most of us are that we don't live in a world like that. Ain't
5: that the truth? Ain't that the yeah. truth? Audrey, thank you. So just imagine that as a scenario um, to come across that. You're in a toy shop, a busy toy shop, Christmas week young boy and his dad looking at rollerblades and laughing and planning Christmas what's better to see this other man that clearly dad knows arrives on the scene and randomly the two men start tearing lumps out of each other in the middle of a toy shop Christmas week, I don't care what the difference is between the two of them that's no way to behave in front of children Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Mind you, did you see this from Charleville-Cork? Bio had this story at the weekend, where the residents up there are fearing for their safety after there was a feud erupted around around a cemetery, the Holy Cross graveyard. Middle of the day, gangs gathering, and there's talk of an ongoing feud in the area around Charleville. It's just this violence everywhere, and we had all those. Incidents up the north side there a few weeks ago, where Paul Bourne was on telling me about that there was even a shot fired on one occasion. The world's got mad. The world's got mad. Or going mad? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. You'd wonder who those two men are. What's going on between them? What is the what's going on between them that they'll start poking lumps out of each other inside in the middle of a toy shop? on Christmas week and, and a frightened child has to be comforted or looked after by a stranger that arrives on the scene Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 96 Kate reminds me with regard to Christmas day there's a lot of hotels doing Christmas day dinner uh, between having packages for people coming in for dinner or indeed residents who will be there Christmas day and they deserve a special mention. Thank you Kate they will go on my list. I think they may already have been there. But thank you for that. Just to recap, in case you missed it at the very top of the programme, I'm trying to put together for the last show of the year for Friday the most comprehensive list we've ever done of people who will be working Christmas Day in some shape or form. As I said, I've already had one or two emails surprising me. Oh, God, I thought they'd be working. Christmas Day. pj at 96fm.ie if you want to get yourself on that list, particularly if I mightn't know that you'd be working on Christmas Day.
0: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96fm. Merry Christmas! With your local mace. Great value deals for family and friends this Christmas.
4: Check this out. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix.
0: Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. Mm. Let's have some fun.
9: Every afternoon, I play the best tunes in Cork
0: from... Come on, introduce yourselves. This is Duralipa. Hey, hey, we're fishinists. Fishinists. Hey, it's Keena Crow. I'm digging out all those Christmas classics for you. And, of course, I'm having you on for a chat. Hi, Simon. How are you? And don't
4: forget the giveaways. Oh, I'm so excited. Thanks so much. That's great. Talk to you weekdays from 12. Simon Murdoch. Midday to 4 p.m. With First sales Credit. Union.
0: For your needs are put the for profits. First Set Credit Union. Members come first. Is this, is this how we do it?
4: Corks,
5: 96 FM. Poor Mary's had an awful disappointment uh, at the start of her Christmas. Stay there, Mary, talk to you in just a second. Uh, but O'Crulee with us all this week, our friends at O'Cruley Butchers, a chance to sort all of the Christmas all the Christmas meat out. The turkey, the ham the spiced beef, whatever you have in yourself. 300 euro vouchers we have every day this week from O'Cruley Butchers, a cork-run business with a rich heritage offering quality meat and produce. So what are we cooking here? What is our chef... I think it's Kevin Dundon we have today. But what is our chef cooking today?
9: You either love them or hate them. If you do them my way, put them into boiling solid water. You're going to cook them five to seven minutes. We're going to put a little bit of Chilies in there, some chopped jellies, and some butter. The heat of the chilies is brilliant. The butter is just delicious. You should really try these ones.
5: Yeah, I think the clue is in his first words. You either love them or you hate them.
9: You either love them or hate them. If you do them my way, put them into boiling salt water. You're going to cook them five to seven minutes. We're going to put a little bit of chilies in there, some chopped jellies, and some butter. The heat of the chilies is brilliant. The butter is just delicious. You should really try these ones. What is he cooking?
5: Text the name, or text the word, text the answer, and your name, please, 083-396-96-96. Now, Mary, you've had the start to your Christmas fall apart in in royal fashion. You were actually en route. Mary joins me from the UK, from Long Eaton. You were en route to Cork for the weekend, and it all fell apart at the last minute. I mean, literally the last minute. Huge disappointment. Morning.
8: Absolutely big disappointment, Peter. Actually, sitting on the plane when I discovered that I was not going to be allowed to travel. What happened? I travel with a wheelchair. I have travelled regularly with the same wheelchair on the, with the same airline. And at this point, I'd like to say I don't blame Ryanair. Okay. Because uh, everybody said to me, "Oh, Ryanair." There's no. Once you check in, you're taken over by service air.
5: Mm-hmm. The they do
8: all the airside stuff, so Ryanair aren't involved at that stage. So got onto the plane, and lo and behold, they came down and they said, um, "I'm sorry, madam, we can't get your wheelchair into the hold. Would you like to travel without it, or will we? Will you? Tra- will you not travel?"
5: There's a lot of rigmarole even before that point, Mary, because you do this every year. You're familiar with it. So this begins when you book your flight. You send all the information through. You don't just arrive on a set of wheels, as it were.
8: No, no, you don't. You um, book your flight. You then phone through to the special assistance people who take all the details of your chair, measurements and everything. And they check them off and they say, right, fine to travel. He said, uh, just turn up at the gate and whatever, so it's fine. And I got to the airport, went to check in. She said, oh, we don't have any details of your wheelchair. And luckily I had the specifications page from the manufacturers on my uh, tablet, so I handed it to her. She read it all out, she filled in what she needed to fill in, and she said, that's fine, madam, we'll see you at the gate. Mm-hmm. So I had no realisation at that stage that there was any. Thought of a problem. Nor had I when I was sitting on the plane for the first half hour waiting for them to do something. I'm half laughing here now, but I really want to cry.
5: <laughs> no, I can imagine because this is a trip home that you make every December and you had a lot of stuff lined up over the weekend.
8: Yeah, I, I squash an awful lot into this weekend. I go, I fly into Dublin, I go and see my mother and then I come down to Cork Meet up with friends and whatever, and go to the various graveyards and do all the things you do at Christmas. And then I fly back. Mm
5: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's never been a problem before with the chair.
8: Never been a problem. I have flown, I think it's either three or four times that I have flown with this chair. Mm. And what do you do? You, You know, you're left there with the situation of. You know, just when you when when you thought you were travelling, you were all comfortable, and then um, no.
5: You're sitting on the plane, and were you were you conscious there was a delay?
8: The captain said to us, "We're well, sorry for the delay." He said, "We're trying to um, load a piece of equipment that has to come with us," mm-hmm. and I'll come back to you as soon as I know anything. So- but it was well over half an hour when we were sitting there.
5: And then the man arrives down in the in the green jacket.
8: Oh, God, he does. And you just know. It's like when you're driving and a police car comes up behind you and you immediately change your driving style. <laughs> it's the same sort of thing. You come down and you could just see him and you know he's coming yeah. see <laughs> it. He couldn't uh, be coming for anyone else. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and you are laughing. The frustration. But- and I got off the plane and they dropped me in the baggage reclaim place. And I said, to guys, just go away." I said, "Just leave me alone." I said, and I just sat there and I cried. Do you? As have you any- know, I had a load of things packed into the weekend, including a meet-up uh, um, meet with um, Corkonians um, from abroad who were home yeah. and whatever. You know, it, it, it was bitterly disappointing. But the most, the most important um, disappointing thing was missing um, my birth, birth mother. Yeah. Not being able to see her at Christmas.
5: Yeah, yeah. It's it's. But have you any recourse? Can can you get an explanation from anybody as to what has happened here?
8: I have half written a letter, and I don't want to finish it at the moment because I'm too emotional about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to be a little bit calmer. I'm I'm not accepting a um, a refund or anything. That's not what it's it's about. It's about the fact that they accepted on two occasions they accepted the measurements as being suitable for travel,
3: mm-hmm.
8: and the fact that I had already travelled numerous times with this chair on the same route,
5: mm-hmm. and the fact that you were sitting on the plane.
8: Well, yeah, that was the that was the embarrassing bit, and and in fairness, everybody was lovely, and they were all saying, like, "No, don't, you know, it's not your fault." Mm. But, but that's no good when you're sitting there thinking, "Oh God, now what do I do?" And he said, "Maybe you'll be able to travel later." And I said, "Well, I'll still have the same wheelchair with me."
5: <laughs> There's a thing like you—you you have to—you have to have this chair. There's no way they could put it on a later flight or whatever. You just can't manage without it.
8: I can't manage without it, and all their planes are the same. They were—they—they they run the same um, type of plane, so it wouldn't fit in any of them.
5: But you you don't blame Ryanair because you've flown with them before.
8: Yeah, I don't blame Ryanair at all, and mm-hmm. um, because as, as I said, once you cr- once you check in, you're you're in the hands of a company called Service Air. Yeah.
5: Well, let's see what they come back with uh, when you eventually do write that letter, Mary. We catch up again maybe in the new year. And um, I, I know that one of one of the things we would have done, you and I would have met for a bite of a bite of lunch, which which is a Christmas tradition of ours for, for many years. Have a go- great Christmas, my friend, and give my love to everybody. At that end, take care.
8: Okay, and don't forget my Holly Bow. I'll send you a
5: Holly Bow. Don't you worry. Take care now.
8: <laughs> okay, thanks, DJ. Bye.
5: By Mary, ah, uh, yeah, that's uh, Mary and I know know each other a very long time, and it's a part of that traditional weekend. We would always have a a bite of lunch, the two of us, and a drink and a catch up. And that didn't happen, but that's the, but the least important thing on her list. Seeing her mum uh, was one of was the most important, and that's not going to happen because of the wheelchair. Now Kate wants to know if she was able to get on the plane physically, would she have been able to get a chair in Cork Airport and get a hired wheelchair? I think the medical devices company do short term her. I'm sure they do, Kate. But as I say, I know Mary. I know the chair. It's it's. It, this is not just a chair. This is a vehicle. This is a specialized, very specialized vehicle, effectively, which she has travelled with many times before. Uh, sev- several times before, in fact, she's travelled with that wheelchair. But um, yeah, getting getting on the plane, she can do that. She can get on the plane and take her seat. But other than that, she, she needs the chair. Thank you, Kate. 0818 96 96 96. Speaking to people abroad, sadly Mary won't be back for her annual Christmas visit. But others will. If you're home for the few days or the couple of weeks, love to hear from you. Where you are, what you're doing there, how you came to be there. Opinion at 96 fmie We'll catch up with a few of you Thursday and Friday, or even tomorrow, or today, maybe. Um, if also you're someone who can't get back, or isn't coming back, or isn't able to come back through work, or whatever, and you're listening to the repeat overnight, or you're listening to the podcast, Opinion at 96 I E Just gives you contact details, and we will do the rest. We'll catch up with some of our corconians abroad in the next couple of days. We'll talk more about this tomorrow, but if you're one of the people... Who saw your energy credit arrive onto your ESB or Electric Ireland or whatever? You saw your electricity credit arrive on your account, but then your bill was taken out of your bank without the credit being applied. That happened to me. I don't know why it happened to me, but it seems, according to the Irish Indo today, to have happened to hundreds, if not thousands, of people. So we're trying to figure out more about it and figure out why it happened. Uh, tomorrow, But if it happened to you, listen up. It happened to me, certainly. I saw the credit go in. I thought, that's grand now. Then the bill landed. Oh, lovely. That'll be grand. That'll be chopped down by 150. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. 0818 96 96
0: Listen to your favourite shows on the go.
4: Download the Corks 96FM app. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp
0: 0833
4: 96 no 96 96. This is The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Corks
5: 96FM. Well, this is a small bit abrupt, but thank you. 0818 96 96 96. If there's one program or one topic that has dominated many hours on this program during the course of 2023, it's gambling. And the problems that we have with gambling. you remember the figures that came out only a couple of months ago from the ESRI, Economic and Social Research People, which revealed that there are 130,000 people in Ireland with a gambling problem. Roughly one adult in 30 has a gambling problem in Ireland in 2023. The government is planning legislation, and the Irish Sun's doing a lot of work this week on that legislation and they have an interview Z today they have an interview today with the minister responsible for that legislation James Brown because the industry has been the horse racing industry and television like Sky and Racing TV have come out and said that the new legislation will be detrimental to their industry but the minister uh, is strongly denying that now over Christmas is a time when I know a lot of, a lot of gamblers will struggle because there's so much sport on that people will struggle and people will lose thousands, and they lose it through their phone. Uh, thousands of, of of euro. Michael Doyle from the Irish Sun, uh, one of the news reporters, and has been covering this story over the last uh, few days and indeed over the last few months. Michael, the minister really pushing back in your interview today on against the critics of his legislation. Good morning. Good morning, PJ.
1: Well well yes, I mean this is this is legislation that Michael Martin actually first um was the first person to kinda of get behind and he pointed James Brown to to introduce or to appoint a new gambling regu- regulator and to get this legislation on board. And it's closer now than it's ever been. I think it was back in 2022, then when the bookmaking industry appeared before the Roxas Committee to discuss it. Then the legislation, I think, was first draft of so that November. And now we're at a stage where it could be, as before the show, and we're looking like it will be in place by certainly by the summer months. And as you said, quite rightly, Christmas time is a is is a really really busy time for gambling. I think I think we we've done articles in the past that Christmas Day is the busiest day of the year for for gambling in this country, beating the likes of Chelsea um, and all the rest of it. But but certainly he is of the view that he doesn't think that it will, it will have the effect. Certainly, the TV deals that are in place um, and and all that kind of thing. The, he He thinks there will be other advertisers or the other sponsors who will come on board who will be able to fill that void for gambling. The horse racing industry say otherwise. They say because they're so niche and um, that that gambling the gambling companies invest a lot in into their into their um, into their sport. Throughout the year, and it'd be very hard to find anybody else to do that. It's not like football; you've got other companies who come on board. You know, you've got fashion, you've got so many, you've got so many other areas. But gambling is kind of very, sorry, horse racing is very reliant on um, the investment that gambling companies bring to us. You spoke and,
3: yourself um, to I
5: Ruby Walsh, the legendary yeah, Ruby yeah, we Walsh. Spoke we, we, we spoke to Ruby, yes, and um, Ruby,
1: of course, and, and that, well, that was his main point. His point is that it's, uh, it's so niche that it, it'll be, if it loses that kind of investment that it, there are a lot of stables around the country will, um, will struggle to will struggle to survive. And I spoke to Shark Callen as well he, and he operates a very small stable in, in County Carlow and employing about 18 people and there's loads of different yards like his around the country who are not like the big yards the Willie Mullins the Gordon Elliotts the Henry de Bromheads who are, who are massive operations there are really a lot of small Small uh, training yards, and they're the ones who will probably suffer the worst. And it's an industry that employs thirty thousand people in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also worth a lot to the economy. It's worth about two billion a year. It's worth a lot to our, our, our agriculture industry. We import, we export, we export horses around the world because our climate's so good. So it is. It is. It'll be an awful shame to see it go. But yes, it's it's an area that needs to be addressed. I think we have an unhealthy relationship with gambling and that can't be forgotten. And the online end the of things with the phone, as you said, has really put a lot of people in difficult situations because it's become so accessible. And that is the main and probably that's the, that's the main reason that this legislation I suppose is has gone headless.
5: Yeah, uh, just one of the people I spoke to this year, Michael, would have been back actually in October. I spoke to this guy, and at one point, at, at the at the height of his gambling addiction, he was sitting watching television, having a few beers with his friends, and on the phone he was losing money. He lost eleven thousand euro in six hours on the phone. Oh my God! There you go. But, I mean, that just says it all. I mean, I mean, actually, actually had
4: and nobody that, knew, that of nobody about, knew, that, yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that's the one thing, that's the one area. The ads are very good at kind of letting people know that it's the one area that's not easily recognizable because it's not like drink or it's not like drugs where your demeanor stands out, certainly. A lot Gambling is very, very secretive and it's done very secretively. And it's, it is it is the access on the phone that and that people people can lose houses. They've got. So it, I think it's acceptable that something needs to be done to kind of certainly control it. With, I mean, so the the bookmaking industry was consulted over this legislation. The horse racing industry wasn't necessarily. They, they were kind of seen as. I don't think the government were properly aware of what um, what to say
5: in terms of where they, where what their point of view is. Mm-hmm. Like no one doubts, as you write yourself, no one doubts that we need a, a regulator. And um, we don't want to put anything, any industry, out of business either. So you got to find a happy medium between the two. This is it. That, that, that's exactly it. It's all about finding that happy medium. Well, we tried to do it over the last couple of days. We have tried
1: to do a full, balanced, um, arg. We put all the points from all the different se- se- sectors involved in the, the legislation, from the bookmakers to to the minister, to people, to addiction characters, to addicts themselves. Like so just give we give a full over, overview of what exactly is involved here. Because so a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people who don't gamble, don't know anything about the gambling industry. It's it's, it's kind of like. They would even think about it, mm-hmm. but if we're 130,000 gam- problem gamblers in the country, I mean, that's um, imagine what the actual total is for people who will have a bet, even if it's one bet a year, yeah. whether it be the Grand National or, or at Cheltenham. If it's 130,000 problem gamblers, you can multiply that by, God knows what, to come up with a figure of people who
5: actually will have at least one bet throughout the year. If you look at just take Christmas week, sort of, well, what well, I mean from sort of the from Christmas Eve, say to to New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, you have football. You have racing, you have rugby, you have the darts, you have God knows what else. Like a person with a problem and a phone could lose their house in that week. Oh, uh, they could lose it in no time. That, that's that's the kind of that is totally the danger
1: of it all. But yes, Christmas time in particular is a very very um, busy time for the whole industry. And yes, it, people have phones in their hands. Stephen's Day is. I mean, we've got leopards down here. They've got Kempton in the UK. There's football on nearly every single day throughout Christmas. Every Premier League matches or or um, other games of a ball on. And there is, of course, rugby as well. So yes, it is a particularly yeah. and at a time Christmas. Christmas can be a stressful time for a lot of people anyway.
3: Yeah.
1: For for various different reasons, like you throw in that into the Nelson pot, and as it can be, things can get very difficult, very very quickly. But but certainly, we we kind of feel that it, it, that there should be a bit more consultation, and certainly, other areas should be kind of like consulted and know what exactly is involved, and and the bigger picture should totally be looked at. I think even the bookmakers will agree that there is a, a we are we do need a regulator mm-hmm. in this country, and, and they've always said they're in favour of regulation, um to a certain extent. But like there, there are there are other areas. That might be slightly forgotten about and, yeah. and this whole kind of crackdown
5: no, nothing's happening. So, sort of until when? New Year at the earliest. Anyway. It'll be New Year. To year. It could
1: be it'll probably be the summer before any um, legislation is um, firmly in place. But uh, the main problem it seems to be with certainly from I guess from book bookmaking point of view, of our, and from the horse racing point of view, the advertising, the TV advertising, the five o'clock to nine o'clock yeah. um, cut back and that might see that the rare fears that could see the likes of racing TV or after races pull out of this country, or and um, because of the. Because because they won't be able won't be viable for them. Or certainly, that's that's what they argue. The minister James Brown seems to doesn't accept this. He doesn't think that'll be much of an issue or much of a difference from from that point of view. But but I guess I mean we, we brought in the smoking ban twenty years ago. Next year, I think a lot of people said there would be jobs lost, and they did. Effect it's going to have across society,
5: and I look at us
3: now. So, it's, you, you it's
1: making, you're making
5: me old, Michael. I remember calling <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: so, well, so,
5: so, so do I. <laughs> so and do I, I, I remember, remember that, mayhem. mayhem and, the and, oh, God, there was, there was holy war over that at the time. And sure, yeah, like you yeah. said, we, we, we just accepted now. Michael, thank you. Michael Doyle, uh, the Irish Sun News reporter. Um, and Happy Christmas to all in the Sun Newsroom and our colleague and friend. Adam Higgins, who's a regular on the show in terms of politics, has a great profile today indeed of Minister James Brown and looking into the legislation. And Michael and the team have been writing about this for the last couple of days in the Irish Sun. The legislation is coming. The industries are pushing back. But here's something. Here's a way that people lose a fortune at Christmas. I love the darts. I love the World Darts Championship. Sometimes I just even switch on the sports channels for the Christmas to see the darts and the rugby. But I was watching the darts one night last year and I was texting a mate of mine who was watching the same match in his house. And we were saying, do you want 20 quid on how many 180s there'll be in the game? Now we're two mates, we'll meet and we'll have a couple of points, and whoever loses the bet buys the points. I said, yeah, he said, look, we'll have 20 quid on you. There'll be more than 30 180s in the match. But that's harmless wagering between two mates. But you can go online and you could lose €1,000 on that bet in seconds. So something has to be done. 0818 96 96. And good luck to anyone struggling with the gambling addiction over the Christmas time. It's so, so tough. Something else we need to watch over the Christmas is the health of our dogs. A couple of years ago, one of my dogs managed to find his way into a selection box. And we were worried for a while because in chocolate, for example, there is a thing called theobromine which is very toxic to dogs. I only knew this because my daughter is a veterinary nurse and she was able to monitor our little fella for a couple of days, or a couple of hours and he, he was grand. But Christmas can be a really dangerous time for dogs. Now, Vincent Cashman of the Cork Society, French and Crook Animals, joined me. Vincent, you're, you're, you're not a vet, but, but you know <laughs> your dogs and we have to be careful of them because there's so much in the house at Christmas that can do them harm. Good morning.
10: Good morning, PJ. Um, there is now the, the 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 problem with this, and I just just said this to emer is if if we eat too much dairy for argument's sake okay we can we can ourselves get allergy tested um for nuts, dairy, and so on, um, and a lot of times you don't know whether your dog is actually allergic to something mm-hmm. okay so we'll say um we all know the the, the main ones which would be chocolate. Um, there, there is actually a veterinary clinic in the States and one of the things they do before they put a dog to sleep is actually give them a small piece of chocolate because they say it's actually every dog should taste chocolate before they pass on, right? <laughs> yes. Now, but in, if they eat huge amounts of it here um, it can lead to all sorts of complications. Yeah, it's the darker the chocolate the more dangerous this Theobromine. The is. yeah yeah so um any very very good quality chocolate they they will wallop the whole thing down um but it can make them very very sick and especially then if you're dealing with different types of chocolate so you could have some with nuts in them um you could have some that would have a mixture of dairy all different types of dairy bits and pieces like that these can all be um poisonous milk you shouldn't give milk to dogs small bit of cheese is fine um they love cheese Yes, but on occasion. Some people give them blocks of cheese. Yeah. Um, And dogs, generally speaking, um, will either, unfortunately, poop out what they don't want or they'll vomit it up, right? Mm. And the dog may be unwell for a couple of hours and everything is fine. But some dogs then will react very badly Mm. to eating something and that's what you need to be watchful for.
5: What I wouldn't have been aware of,
10: Vincent, and I see the list here,
5: the stuffing off the turkey
10: can be dangerous. Yeah, with the amount of bread inside in it. Um, again, there's, some people mix eggs with it, some people mix nuts with it. So, again, not all the, the, the rule at home, I suppose, is not to give nuts to your dog. Mm. Um, some are taught, I think, is this, um I'm sure about peanuts now, I think the macadamia nut is poisonous. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Stuff like that—it's just the—it's the sheer quantity, or it's the mixture of stuff. When we think stuffing, we think it's only bread. Mm. Um, and again, they love them. They love they them. I've,
5: I've a little devil who eat, would eat peanuts all night, and I know she shouldn't have them, but she'll sit on my knee demanding
10: them. She shouldn't have them. <laughs> Some dogs are fine with us, yeah, but it's just the odd couple then have have a reaction to it, and unfortunately, sometimes it can be fatal. Generally speaking, as I said, it's an upset stomach. And the issue was dealt with. Look, most,
5: there's uh, lots of goodies around Christmas. I think the rule of thumb is, Vincent, don't give your dog anything at Christmas that you wouldn't give him any other time of the year.
10: Yes, I mean, if you're giving them some dogs, no, I, I wouldn't give them ham because um, of the salt content. Again, mm-hmm. most dogs will bring it up. Turkey is fine. Um, some uh, scraps from the table is fine within reason. Um, no onions, no garlic, mm-hmm. um, carrots. Um, small bit of cabbage, potato um and turkey that 's no problem at all. turkey bones keep them away from that keep t- any any form of a bone because it can lodge yeah and, 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 and turkey don't bones, bones shatter you see yeah they 'll shatter and they'll get um it can cause obstruction or a sharpness so you can have um the intestines as well from it, so you can have a multitude of problems, so the best thing to do is 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 avoid them. Yeah. Um and that's the same with even there where you go in and you can get what they used to call um dinosaur bones inside in pet shops to your dog. Yeah. Avoid them. Really? Yeah. Because they can they can shatter. And right. again the dog will take the small piece of bone. Again, generally speaking, they will pass it, but there has been occasions for it to lodge, you'll have a dog choke on them or it can pierce the intestine. So And a lot of people do way. that
5: at Christmas, they go and they into the pet shop and they buy there's a great bone called the postman's leg. And they'll, yes. buy, they'll buy those, yep. and because it's a great present for the doggy,
10: but maybe not. No, best thing of the, in the world you can give them is, is a, a Kong, and you can put treats into it, you can put, um, there's loads of little meats you can put into them, uh, dog nuts, anything like that, and keeps the dog entertained for hours. Okay.
5: Now, with regard to cats, sweets, a, there are sugars and stuff in sweets. Now, cats are a lot more discerning about what they'll nosh on, but still, keep yes. them away from sweet
10: things. Generally speaking, yes. Anything that you, as you said, PJ, anything that you generally wouldn't feed them during the year, don't allow them to have access to it. Cats can be a little bit, a dog would be right up front and he'll say, right, I want the peanuts in your instance, right? Or I'd like a piece of chocolate. Or he'll sit at the table and say, what you're eating is lovely, I'd want a piece of that. A cat can be a little bit more discerning, if I could say sneaky about it. Vincent, so, let's call it what it is, they're thieves. I know, yes. I have one. They're thieves. So they, Yes, so they'll they will come along and they will try and take it when you're not looking. Your dog will do the same thing, but your dog will will give signs that it's doing. it. cat might show no show no signs at all that it's after uh, attacking something. So it's a, it's a case of just be careful. Um, if you if you know that your dog cat has, has um, can't avoid the temptation, so to speak. Mm then make sure stuff is covered off just to avoid any, any, any problems. And make people... Yeah, and if there's relatives calling over or anything like that, just make them aware of the fact that uh, don't give the uh, treats to the dog. Right, even if he is looking for us. Oh, yeah. It and in fact, the more
5: he looks, the less you should get. Vincent, thank you very much, Vincent Cashman. And uh, best of luck to everybody at the Cork Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Will you have people work on Christmas Day, Vincent?
10: Yes, there's there's people walking here 365
5: days. There's another one to go on my list. Thanks a lot, that's Vincent. I tell you a story about dogs and food colouring. Uh, We had a party one time and there was a lovely cake for the party and it was covered in green food colouring, green icing, which was done with green food colouring. And the cake got brought home, and we took the cake off the tray, but of course there was loads of green icing still on the tray. Well, some little dog pulled the tray out of the out of the bin during the night and licked off all the green colouring. Now, it didn't do the dog any harm, but there was little pools of green poo around the house for three days. <sighs> Avoid!
0: We're playing all your favorite Christmas hits after midday on Corks 96 FM. With your local mace. Amazing value, sure to make you smile this Christmas. <laughs> the
4: lines are live. Oh, hello.
0: Join the conversation Call 818 969696.
4: Text or WhatsApp 83 396
0: Email opinion at 96fm.ie
4: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Porch 96fm
5: yeah, it's a much nicer day today than it was yesterday. Can't you feel the dryness in the air this morning? It was really lovely when I came out to get into the car. Lovely to see some sunshine there, too. They're talking about a white Christmas in, in the UK. Uh, even if it's one flake of snow on the highest peak of Ben Nevis on Christmas Day, that classes as a white Christmas. We might, get, we, might we, we we might, just get uh, Alan from Carla Weather on before the end of the, the week to see what he can see for Christmas, because he was saying this morning on Twix that um, things are uncertain after Saturday, and if he says they're uncertain, don't take anybody else's certainty. <laughs> if, he, if it's uncertain for Alan, it's uncertain for everybody. But uh, there's no prospect that ever was. I would think of a white Christmas. Um, just in case you're you're, you're wondering. We want to get through some of your messages, because we've got lots and lots of them. Some of them held over even from yesterday. Did You're saying here, Monica, did Vincent say no milk for dogs? Dogs really shouldn't get milk. No. I know they give puppies goody to beef them up a bit. But generally, if a dog hasn't ever had milk, they don't need milk. Um, milk isn't too good for them. So, yeah, avoid milk for dogs if... if if you can. If, if it's too late, it's too late. But water it down even. Right, I was in Duns, Bishopstown yesterday, says this message that came in. This is from yesterday. Uh, my apologies for not getting to it in time. I was in Duns and Bishopstown yesterday, which would be Sunday. That's the posh Duns. And my wife had a fall. I would like to say thanks to everyone who helped. Because I was in shock. Didn't know what to do. But about five or six people came forward and helped her. Uh, This really helped in an hour of need. You didn't put your name on that, but you know who you are. And thanks to everyone who reached in there uh, to help. We were talking to the lads from Share yesterday. Um, The two executive members were with me to finish out the program with a good old laugh. And Robert wanted me to remind you, or reminded me. I, I think I knew this anyway. Joe Noonan, the solicitor. Noonan. Joe was the first Share boy. There's something to have on your CV. Oh, 0818 96 96 96 on the hospitals um, I was recently in the emergency ward of the Mercy for a night this is this again unsigned message staff were amazing the scenes were chaotic suicidal people talking about their distress people were there for 12 or 16 hours had to go back 3 days later for another 12 hour wait for a minor prescription Roll on to later that day. It was in the A&E in Bantry. Immaculate who could eat her dinner off the floor. In and out for a small procedure in less than an hour. Why each place doesn't have its own A&E in its own section is just ridiculous. And also there should be an emergency section in geriatric. There should be an emergency section in mental health. There should be, you're right, there should be emergencies. In, for example, there should be an emergency for a specific... One for falls and scrapes and burns and stuff like that. There is a separate one for eyes. But thank you for that. And lots of kind words about staff working in hospital, how they're just ridiculously busy, but they keep going and they keep smiling through it. I will come back to your comments on taxis. We did nearly an hour yesterday, more than an hour, in fact, on taxis and why you can't get them. And a lot of taxi drivers, I'm very grateful to them, rang up to give their side of the story. And we learned one thing, if we learned nothing yesterday... We learned that the apps, which are fierce handy for you and me, pick out the app, pick out the phone, open up the app, grab your taxi. Sounds good. There's hidden charges against us. And the taxi driver doesn't make the tenor off the app that he'd make if he charged you a tenor picking him up in the street. Be wary of that the next time you're tempted to pick up an app and get your taxi home. The taxi driver isn't getting all that fair. The app has taken a fine chunk out of it, which is why some of them just dump the app and take a call on the side of the road. O eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety-six. Now here's an interesting man. He's choreographer at the Everyman Pantomime, which is going down a storm. Why wouldn't it? Beauty and the Beast, wonderful song, a wonderful story, and wonderful show, produced, of course, by Catherine Mann Buckley and Cara, and is at the Everyman until January fourteenth. And of course, we're proud partners. We had great fun with them uh, last week, all week last week with uh, with family passes. But Phil O'Callaghan is the choreographer for the Everyman pantomime this year, doing a fantastic job, and also dancing in the show. I want to talk about that in a little while. Phil, but your your route to the Everyman started in Donna Daly's studio. God rest Donna. I knew her. My own daughter was a, was with Donna for a few years and then went via Disneyland and a number of cruise ships before, in the back at the Everyman. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Good. Good to chat with you. And That's by nice. all accounts, I haven't seen it yet, but everyone who's seen Beauty and the Beast says it is an extraordinary production. So well done to you. Thanks
11: very much. It's going down as a street, alright, so everybody's delighted, thank God.
5: Fantastic. So take me right back. You started dancing with Donna in the old place yeah, out I there said, in Turners Cross.
11: Yeah. I did, yeah, out in Turners Cross. I started dancing with Donna when I was about seven. And um I danced right through with her right up until I was seventeen, because then after that then I went away and trained. But yeah, all through my childhood I was with Donna's Dance Studio. Yeah.
5: And, and then um, you went to the point. Where after, did you go and train after that then?
11: I trained then in Stefan Stefanefa. I did um, a foundation dance course there up in um, Tomorrow Road. Then after that, then I did some auditions and I got into, one of the main colleges I got into was the Institute of Arts Barcelona, which is based um, in Sitges, just outside Barcelona. So then I trained there and done a degree course there. And after that, that led me to more auditions and ended up in Disneyland in Paris, working there for a while. I did some pantos. I was on. Um, M- I worked with MSC Cruises. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, I was just. I did. I was a a male dancer in Disenchanted. It was. Do you remember they filmed that movie up in up in. Um, up in outside Wicklow. Uh, yes. Oh yes. 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 They'd done yes, up yes, a whole yes.
5: town for it, didn't they? Exactly. Yeah.
11: Exactly. In and scary Yeah. So um, I was part of that production as well. But with the Everyman, I Am, after I graduated, I. Robert Foley was one of my. Uh, he's a, from Cork himself, but he's a choreographer and uh, he he works in the Institute of Arts Barcelona as a lecturer, and he actually got me in there as an ensemble dancer. So I worked my way up with the company, to eventually become ensemble dancer, dance captain, and now choreographing it and in it at the same time. So it's hectic, but <laughs> it's a, it's great fun. It's great it, fun. it is
5: the, the the backstage at a panto and talking to people over the years but backstage. It is organized madness. It has to be.
11: Oh, PJ, backstage mm-hmm. is another show in itself. <laughs> it's another show in itself. If you see what we're doing behind the behind backstage, costume changes, running around. If things go on, it's another produ- production itself.
5: Yeah, someone <laughs> should really make a play about it with this. But absolutely, bring me back to Disneyland Paris, first big gig yeah. there. How did that come about?
11: Um, so they actually came to my college, Disney, um, and they did like a an audition, like a private audition just from my college. So um, I auditioned there. That was in uh, June 2018. And then I did a contract there for four or five months. So basically what I was doing, I was doing character work. So I was um, different characters um, on, on site and in parades and stuff like that. So um, I had like a list of characters, and I would uh, get trained in them all and do the signatures and do the whole thing. and, Who you, the what, what, and characters the what characters did you play? Um, I played, I did Eeyore, I did Tweedledum, Tweedledee, I did Tigger, I did um, Spider-Man at one point. Brilliant.
5: Um, yeah, yeah. A good and of few, course, a good you few, you, so. you have to, don't you feel, you have to be able to learn and perfect how they appear on telly. So take Tigger or take Spider Man. We we all expect Spider Man to move a particular way because of what we've seen on the T V or, or what on the on the cinema. You had to perfect a- that. Absolutely, absolutely. They're
11: like they're yes. extremely strict with their training there. You have to you have to make sure like you're the right size, you're the right height, you have the technique of the character down to the T. You go through different processes right up until you get like acceptance to actually be that character so um, it does take a lot of training and a lot of specifics and a lot of technique. I'd, I'd
5: say Tigger's yeah, fun so. with all the bouncing. Tigger's,
11: the ch- Tigger's <laughs> fun, Tigger's fun, you're bouncing around the place having a laugh and everyone's <laughs> loving you so you're springing around Disneyland Park like so it's great. <laughs> Brilliant and then the cruise ships,
5: now you must where did you go on cruises? That That's hectic because that's seven days a week isn't it?
11: Yeah i sure, should. That, that's seven days a week, six, six months at a time really to be honest <laughs> Um I did. I we, I worked with MSC. I was on um, the Bellissima. I did the Mediterranean cruise. Right. So I. I trained in. Um, I did rehearsals in Italy for six weeks, and then we boarded. Then in um, Saint Nazaire in France, and we did a crossing right up to London because it was a brand new ship. So there's like a big ceremony in Southampton and London, and then it went from there, went down right down to the Mediterranean, down to Barcelona, and started there, and then we'd go all the way over to Malta, and then come back around. But uh, that was uh, that was hectic. I was doing 70, uh, 18 shows a week on, on that cruise. Um, Your poor yeah, legs. Like, oh, yeah, the shin splints were real, PJ, I'll tell you that much. The <laughs> shin splints were real. Yeah. But it was great. It was a great experience, like, working that much and doing that many different uh, different types of shows and versatile shows, and it was great. It was a great experience. A cruise,
5: A cruise liner... It must be a fairly unusual environment in that you, you, you're kind of you're trapped, like you're in this floating village, and you can yeah. meet the same fellow who was at the show on Tuesday night. You can meet him Wednesday morning at breakfast. It's a very closed yeah. thing for a while. Isn't
11: it, it? Yeah, it is. It is. It's very enclosed. And but again, like it, the people would change every week, so you are seeing fresh people all the time. But yeah. it, but obviously, what you're doing. Your routine does repeat, but just with different people around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do
5: you mean but, anybody um, famous? That,
11: um, anybody famous? Not on the cruise ship. No, not on the cruise ship. Um, w- to be honest, a lot of people thought we were famous. They would stop us on the ship and like take photos and everything That's like cool. this. And yeah, it was cool. It was a great experience. What, great what experience. shows
5: did you do on the ship?
11: Um, uh, We did a a rock type show where it was all kind of like ACDC and stuff like this and like a lot of physical dancing. And it was a show that – it was a cast that consisted of 14 dancers and eight singers. Right. So um, it was like – and we also had like a full band on stage too that would perform behind us. So it was like – it was really good. It was like – it was a great live theater show. And we done another show called Pink, which is about like women empowerment. We did another show, which is kind of about like – um, it was like earthy. It was kind of about like Adam and Eve and the story of that. Right. And we we also did um ju- uh, like like hits of, hits over the years. Right. Um, there was like th- yeah yeah. So if if Friday you're on a
5: seven night. night cruise, like that's seven different shows that I exactly
11: right. Yeah, it's yeah, all different, like completely different as well. You know, was showing versatility on the ship as well. So again, would you be on every
5: night? Like, would you night be in every show? show?
11: Yeah, we did three show. Um I had one day off, uh, one evening off, but other than that you would do you would do three shows each evening. The shows were about like were about like 45 minutes to an hour long and you would yeah. do three sittings of that. Yeah. Crikey. Man. Yeah, and, and the theater was huge cuz like the ship that I was on it was one of the six biggest in the world at that time. So mm. like the theater fitted like a thousand people. So you're performing in front of 3000 people each night, you know, on the ship. Um, It's crazy, it was huge
5: (laughs) How do you you keep fit How do you keep yourself Physically fit for that
11: well from like I just came out of training at that point but also you have to keep up your own training all the time like I do like I do a lot of crossfit I do running I do I keep dancing all the time you know like like rehearsals do help you build up the training but like once you lose that standard it's pretty hard to get back That's
5: exactly But exactly it like you can do three hour long shows yeah. a night try and draw your breath in between <laughs> yeah, 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 you'd be absolutely wrecked. But BJ people only do because they
11: love it. You wouldn't be oh, able to do it otherwise. <laughs> I know, yeah. And the,
5: like, you've got to watch your diet as well, because you, you can't, yeah, like, you, you'd you eat like a horse if you were lit, and you can't because you, you're you watching the figure and watching the weight and watching everything.
11: Yeah, and then you also don't want to eat too little because you want to be passing out. There so, you go. So, so there's a happy, you to find a happy <laughs> medium, exactly.
5: Yeah. <laughs> so then back to the everyman. Um and you you, you yeah. built yourself up there from ensemble dancer right up again did you?
11: Yeah yeah so I so I got hired as ensemble dancer this is my fifth year doing the Everyman Panto, so I built myself up I um I got hired as ensemble dancer and then I got back bought back as dance captain for um for the year after and then I stayed as ensemble dancer and dance captain and then they asked me then last year to become a choreographer um this year for Beauty and the Beast and also be in it and also be dance captain. So I'm um I'm doing a lot in there at the moment and over the past few weeks, but <laughs> it Sounds like you're great. busier
5: than you were on the cruise ship.
11: Oh absolutely PJ I've been ne- I've never been busier. I've never been busier, I'll tell you that much.
5: Yeah, you like <laughs> um, you said, you have to love this. Yeah, no, you
11: have to love it. You do because you love it, you know. And um, But it was a great experience, and it was such a privilege to build myself up in a company, mm. um, you know, with Calib Performing with Arts and the Everyman, to build myself up with them and work with them so closely. And mm. um, and it's in Cork, you know, like a, no other place I'd like to build myself up in, Absolutely. you know. So
5: I, I'm laughing here so when I read of the luxury item you recently bought for yourself. An ice bath. An ice bath, yes,
11: <laughs> yeah. An ice bath, I know.
5: In the Some garden. people might call it
11: crazy, but they're amazing. Yeah, it's are you
5: mad? Back. Are you
3: completely mad?
11: I am. I'm mad. That's what people say when they see me inside it. But it's great. Yeah, I fill it up with water. I fill it up with the hose, and then I freeze uh, lots of, loads of freezer blocks, and I throw them in and submerge myself in there for about ten minutes until <gasps> I go numb, and then I come back out
5: and I feel amazing. Yeah, and when is that to do with the, <laughs> what, Like, why? Why is the, is that for your muscles or what? Yeah, it's it's it's
11: it's really good recovery for because it like it like it shocks your whole system like um it shocks your nervous system for sure because obviously you're submerging like your body in like freezing cold water but it's really good for muscle recovery and I find it like it gives me like it gives me a whole nervous system reset and like the chemicals coming off it from that release in your brain are just phenomenal. You feel literally electric after it. And how often You feel electric you do that? after it? I would try and do it like every day if possible, like in the morning or after a workout in the morning. Um, But a couple of times a week for sure, just to really reset myself.
5: The neighbors must think you're bonkers.
11: (laughs) All you hear me me is really heavy breathing out the back. They're probably like, what is going on over (laughs) there? (laughs) And then you look,
3: would you take a look
11: at your man? It's yeah. December! Submerged in like a tank. It's yeah. ice! Yeah. Help us.
3: Yeah.
5: <laughs> Do you know, having done all this with Disney and the cruise and travelled and been Spain and all those places, what's so special about being in Cork, being at home for Christmas? PJ, you can't beat being at home for
11: Christmas, I think, you know, like a lot of, especially like in an industry like this, it's hard to find, like to be, to find work in general and be in work, but also to, be working and be in your hometown and be in your be with your family, you know. So, this is why I've also like loved having this gig here in the Everyman each year because I'm at home, I'm working in my own hometown, and with my family. It's Christmas. Uh, a lot, a lot of it, a lot of things align, you know. Doing yeah. this, but like. It's just amazing to be a part of it, and just to be here, and just to be at home for Christmas performing. Like I'm lucky to, I'm lucky to be one of the people
5: doing that. You know. What well, I'd forgotten it was that you're still with all these. You're still only 26. Like how? Yeah, yeah, how I'm long more does yeah. a dancer go on at that level? Oh. Hopefully, another four or five years. Mm. We teach <laughs> them,
11: Until you? my early thirties, yeah. Yeah, I teach anyway at the moment as well, which is because it's it's handy and I enjoy it. I love teaching, but yeah, um, teaching then would be the main priority then. I think after I need to give the body a break, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know what? I,
5: I remember Donna. Um, I think she'd be damn yeah, proud God of bless her. you. Yeah, yeah. I think she'd yeah, be very thanks, proud PJ. of you. Uh, I think thanks I think I may, may may even have seen you in in one of the shows in the opera house. You know, the end of season show where there's always, yes, yes, there's always the, the little... The there was only ever one or two yeah. boys in that. I must have seen you, because my daughter was in yeah. those shows. Yeah, yeah. I
11: remember. Yeah. I remember. I, I was I was probably the crazy kid walking on my hands. or doing You something were! Or something. You were. I said,
5: <laughs> if he puts his leg up any higher, I'm going to scream. <laughs> that was him. Yeah, was and me, I love yeah. <laughs> those bits in the show where they used to put absolutely everybody on at the end, you know? And yeah. there's always the little kid... Probably the youngest kid in the school falls on and falls on her arse, and it's just <laughs> everybody loves her. They were great shows. Yeah, and I have, yeah. a, fun, I have a funny yeah, feeling.
11: Everybody, the tradition of Donna. Yeah, I have a funny absolutely. feeling.
5: You, might have been in the King and I with my wife as well. But that's, that's I the-
11: was, I was, I was, I was in the King and
5: I. Yeah, <laughs> I was in the King and out with your wife. I remember. Oh, <sighs> ah, Phil, listen, God, yeah, it's, it's, has been done. It's great. Like, what's that? What's the plans for twenty twenty four? Twenty twenty four.
11: 2024. I don't know. I'm just trying to want to get myself through this um, through this gig now and get to the end of this. Um, I have some. I have some projects coming up, some film projects and some choreography projects coming up. And um, any more cruises? I am working on a. Uh, no, I think my time with the crew. I've done the cruises now. That was that was enough for me. Never. So I prefer my feet on land. I think. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, just uh, little projects coming up, auditions coming up. So we'll, we'll see what comes.
5: We'll All see right. What comes. Look out, is uh, a fella. Good catch up. And still only 26. The world is at his, at his very talented feet. Phil O'Callaghan, uh, teach, uh, pupil of the late great uh, Donna Daly. But go on to Disneyland and the cruise ships, and now the uh, choreographer and head dancer and God knows what else at our wonderful Everyman Pantomime Beauty and the Beast running until the 14th of January. Thank you, Phil, and have a wonderful Christmas to you and the family. 0818 96, 96, 96 Again, we don't do a whole pile of requests throughout the course of the year, but look, it's Christmas week. Can you wish my mom and my dad, Mary and Finbar Archer, a happy Christmas? They're expecting their first grandchild in 2024. Is that my pal Finbar. It is, of course. There aren't too many people around called Finbar Archer. I didn't know he was going to become a granddad in 2020. He'll be the happiest man in Ireland when he becomes a granddad. Well, our Finbar. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, yeah, well, listen, Shirley got onto us. Here's a nice little story uh, Anasty is my mother. Beautiful name.
12: Anna.
0: Ready to pop the question?
13: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
5: Honesty is my mother. She's 85, lives on her own, and she was after hearing about Lauren being in hospital and needing cards. She got into her car on Sunday with a card in her hand. And asked for my help to make sure it got to the right place. Just thought it was wonderful. Such a connection between the senior generation and the young girl in hospital. Thanks for that, Shirley. But there's a lovely name. Anastie. I wonder where that came from.
0: Join the conversation. Conference now. 0818 96, 96, 96
4: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Watch 96 FM.
5: And well, catching up on as much correspondence as we can, because we've got lots of stuff in, in the buckets since yesterday. Taxis was another one. Dominated us for nearly an hour and a half yesterday morning with lots of taxi drivers ringing to give us their side of the story. PJ says, Fidelma, I ordered a taxi on Thursday for Saturday on free. Now, you can do that. You can go into the app and you can book your, say book your Saturday taxi on Thursday and all of that. It was for a half past five collection on Saturday. They cancelled me at sixteen minutes past five. Then the app gave us another driver, who arrived at five twenty, and put everyone under pressure because we weren't expecting to be collected until half five. He gave out to us because he had to wait five minutes at one of our houses because one of the girls wasn't ready. Because he came really early, he was very rude. That was from Fidelma. Tim, then, that conversation kind of crossed over with the 220 bus. For five years, PJ says, Tim, I have hospital appointments every six months or so. Every time, I've ended up calling a taxi to collect me from the 220 stop in Balancholy Village because it doesn't come on time. We were asking the question, why are there so few or why do we see that there are so few taxis around at night? and we Darren and a couple of more drivers rang up to explain the problems with working at night I worked in taxis for years, this isn't signed but now they have the HSE contracts and all the school runs so they won't work nights all they need to do is rotation and just pick up only who you want who you know or who you trust there are some very lucrative contracts out there for school runs and for HSE work and other such car- corporate work, you might call it, during the day. So an awful lot of them don't need to work at night now. And I suppose if you don't need to work at night, why would you bother? There's a thing. 0818 96 96 96. We'll know on the 7th of January. I didn't realize it was quite so soon. The 7th of January is the Golden Globes Awards night. And Killian Murphy... Our man, Killian Murphy, has been nominated for a Golden Globe in the Best Actor category for his incredible portrayal of Oppenheimer. He was just... It's it's a big, long, meaty, fillet steak of a movie. And he was brilliant in Oppenheimer. And he's been nominated for a Golden Globe. And in the Best Actor category. And we were just chatting about this... Um, because there's Killian and there's so many other Cork actors just knocking it out the park um, on the world stage, not just the the national stage. Pat Ker- Karen of Korkadorka Theatre, the very famous Corkedorka Theatre. Um, Pat has given, and the Corkedorka has given their first break to so many uh, Cork actors over the years, and indeed Killian was one of them. Uh, it, it is great news to see this nomination, Pat, because he did. The only thing you can say about him in Oppen- Oppenheimer is he kicked it straight out of the park. Good morning.
13: Good morning, uh, PJ. Yeah, it's fantastic news. As you say, he did knock it out of the park there, but that performer. But you know what, as well? I think that, you know, he's been so consistent in his work and about how he has chosen what work to do. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he's been very careful, very selective in what he's done. All the way through his career, you know, from his very first film work, you know, you know, there was an awful lot of work that he would have turned down when people would have said he was mad or earlier in his career, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which would have been big money, you know, so the idea that he has got this recognition is a testimony to his career decisions, I think, and his constant development as a really brilliant actor.
5: He is one of these guys who has such a unique talent that he can afford, even at this stage of his career, to choose what he does because this is what I do, this is how I do it. So I'm not doing that because it isn't me. He's in that position.
13: Yeah, and I think it's not necessarily that it would mean that it isn't him, but he would have a very keen artistic brain to kind of want to do the most interesting work, challenging work. Mm-hmm.
5: Look at Oppenheimer, you know? a huge role to play. He's in the category with Barry Keoghan, of whom all the talk was last year, and then he's in there with Leonardo DiCaprio, Bradley Cooper.
13: Another Irish actor as well, Andrew Scott.
5: Yes, of course. He's one of the big boys now, is our Killian.
13: Well, I think he has been for some time, really, yeah. PJ, to be honest with you.
5: We do, though, don't we? If you take a look, stand back and, and reel off a list of names, as we did in the office. You take Killian, obviously, yeah. Jonathan rees Myers, Michael Fassbender, who studied in Cork, Sarah Green, yeah. fantastic. Anna Hardwick, personal favourite of mine. In, all, in the world of acting at the moment, is a personal favourite of mine. Sarah McSweeney, yeah. we've got such talent coming out of Cork.
13: Eileen Walsh as well, yes, and Catherine Walsh, the two Walsh sisters. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I suppose it is. I mean, it's hard to kind of imagine when you just when you state even those names out in the list there, the level that all of those actors have achieved. Actually, Anna I- did a show with Austin Kirkilurke. It was his first show ever that we did on in Hall Bowl, and his mother used to bring him down there every night, and he must have been eight or nine at the time, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But that was his first ever role, mm-hmm. and he was extraordinary in that could TV you see me, so the talents TV. back
5: then pat like can you, when when someone <laughs> comes to you their first role at that to a, a company like Corkadorka, you're around since forever when you when a talent like that Reveals itself to you for the first time. Can you spot it? Yeah. There's something you see.
13: Do you know what? It's not something that you might see necessarily, but he, like Killian, who I would have given the first kind of his first role as well, it's not necessarily, you see it when they're working, but it's after that their determination to keep in touch and to say, how about this? How about that? Yeah. What should I do here? The similarity between the two of them would be that that they were so clearly committed to doing what they do now then, if you know what I mean.
5: Mm-hmm. And, and you follow them through their career. Siobhan McSweeney, who I spoke to earlier in the year when she appeared yeah. in a Beckett show at the Opera House, and we're thinking, yes. here's Sister Michael, and I went along yeah. to the Beckett show, and it was like a totally different person. That's the sign of yeah. a great actor, isn't it?
13: Absolutely, it's about being able to uh, uh, vary I think before kind of the Derry Girl stuff I would have been aware of Siobhan as a a theatre actor What a brilliant actor she is So seeing her in Happy Days as well was kind of amazing You know, the range that
5: she has is kind of extraordinary Mm. Sarah Green is another rising star Yeah the There's
13: a load of them there, PJ. When you made out that list or when you read out that list, there was kind of gone, God, yeah, you know. And do you know what as well, I really felt to mention Frank to me, two years well, who passed away.
5: Pat you week. read my mind, because I wasn't gonna finish the conversation without mentioning yeah. Frank. And we all know him. I spoke to Packy the other day about how naturally and brilliantly funny he was, and we all knew that. Yeah. But this yeah. his incredible strength as a straight actor
13: yeah, I worked with him first in a Play Talbot's Box, which we did here in Corkin and the Project Art Centre in Dublin. That was my first time meeting him and working with him. And he was just fantastic. He was very young at the time and he was really supportive to, to somebody like me who could have been intimidated a little by the more experienced bunch that I was directing. Another guy who had great drive, you know, just and such great fun to be yeah. around.
5: Come back lastly quit, with quit. me, Pat, if you would, please, to Killian. His chances yeah. come Golden Globe time, come award season, what would you think?
13: Do you, do you know, you're probably biased, but I think he's got a great chance. I mean, it's an extraordinary role. I think it's really considered and detailed, the performance.
5: We'll see what happens with him in in a few weeks' time. Pat, good to catch up. Thank you very much. Thanks, PJ. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers, Pat, and a happy Christmas. Yeah, I watched that film ah, tis a few weeks ago now, or a few months ago, actually. Watched it on my own one day because it's a kind of film that you want to watch on your own and and concentrate on. And I just realised, thought when I was watching, it, Killian is so good. I'm actually going to sit down and watch it again over Christmas to uh, refresh myself as to how brilliant he is in the role of uh, Oppenheimer. Which do you remember that? That was one of the funniest things of the day of the year. Um, it came out the same day as Barbie. Do you remember that? And didn't they what do they call it? Opera Barbie or? Barbenheimer or whatever the two movies coming out the same day no I haven't seen Barbie I don't think I could sit through Barbie even though Crossy told me at the time it's a wonderful film I don't think I could sit through all that schmaltz and pink stuff then maybe I'm wrong maybe I will watch them both over the Christmas but definitely if you get a chance to see it uh, Oppenheimer wonderful film and our own Killian Murphy uh, up there uh, with the greats of the world now enacting and in line for a golden globe which we'll watch with
4: interest The
0: Cork Diary on Cork's 96FM The annual Briar Rose charity smartphone quiz takes place on Thursday the 21st of December The staff of the Briar Rose are once again holding a raffle and auction to raise funds for Good Shepherd Cork For more info and to book your table at the smartphone quiz visit thebriardouglas.com And if you have an event you would like mentioned email Cork Diary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary It's Christmas time Woo! Hear your favorite Christmas is
4: 24-7. Music Listen to Quartz 96mas. Streaming online now.
0: With Desi's Tires. Open seven days with late evenings in Blackpool. Also at Little Island, cargoline and Vickers Road. Desistires.ie.
4: Download our app or see 96fm.ie. Join <laughs> the conversation. Text or
0: WhatsApp. 0833969696.
4: This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Quartz 96.
5: Big reminder of our Cruley Butchers competition. Cruley's with us every day this week with a 300, 300 euro voucher. Let's sort out your Christmas meat and produce requirements. They're a cork run business with a rich heritage, 60 years in business. What are we cooking here? This is Kevin Dundon.
9: What is he
5: cooking here. Tell me what he's at.
9: You either love them or hate them. If you do them my way, put them into boiling salt water you're going to cook them five to seven minutes. We're going to put a little bit of chilies in there, some chopped chilies and some butter. The heat of the chili is brilliant. The butter is just delicious. You should really try these ones. All right, so what is he cooking? The, the first bit is what gives you the clue. You either love them or hate them. If you do them my way, put them into boiling salt water you're going to cook them five to seven minutes. We're going to put a little bit of chilies in there, some chopped chilies, and some butter. The heat of the chili is brilliant. The butter is just delicious. You should really try these ones.
5: The answer and your name, to 396 Now, we have uh, spoken before with Laura Russell. Uh, Laura is a forest officer with Aer Lingus, and we talked previously about your aerobatic skills and uh, going off to Las Vegas to the world Advanced Aerobatic Championships I'll catch up with you about that in a minute Laura, good to chat with you again though and thanks for coming on We wanted to chat about pilots and flying at Christmas time Like, Will you get any time off now over Christmas? Good morning
2: Uh, Hi, Um, yeah, I'm actually getting very lucky this year, I have three days off prior to Christmas and uh, we get Christmas day off as well so I'm getting very lucky, but last year I worked over Christmas so it kind of comes in swings and roundabouts
5: Yeah, it is tough to get Christmas Day off. Our airports close here, but of course Lingus doesn't just work here.
2: Correct, exactly. So there's um, usually on the 23rd and 4th of December, there's uh, a raft of um, transatlantic flights that go out um, with obviously all the associated crew on board, and they will stay uh, elsewhere for Christmas. So yes, even though all the Irish airports close, um, there's still plenty of us working over Christmas.
5: So, like, if you're going, say, to Boston or New York on Christmas Eve, you're not getting back.
2: Yes. Uh, so, for example, last year I had like a three night Boston. So I was away from the twenty third till the I guess it was the morning of the twenty seventh that I arrived back in. Yeah.
5: What? 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 What do you do then?
2: <laughs> it's it, it's quite different. I think you just have to be a bit resigned to it, and um, there's great camaraderie because like there's lots of you away on the overnight, so you all kind of make do and uh, make as good a Christmas as you can, you know.
5: You'd get the turkey and ham, like would you?
2: Oh yeah, no matter what, like that's <laughs> that's the priority. Yeah.
5: <laughs> and how far out would you know then, Laura, that you'd be working so?
2: Um we, we're very lucky. We get our roster um, at least two weeks in advance. So, okay. for example, I have my roster now for January, so I know exactly what I'm up to in January. Um, that's not the case with every airline, though. So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: Like, our airports close, but in other parts of the world, Christmas Day is a bit... Do, does anywhere else close its airports that you know of?
2: Um, I don't know. I'd say there's a lot of um, countries who... Um, That that most of the main airports might be closed, but there's lots of little airports that would remain open. You know, because actually, I know a lot of people who like flying on Christmas Day, like as a hobby. Um, Really, I've actually flown. I've done some aerobatics on Christmas Day over in America because, uh, I guess, America treats Christmas a little differently than we do. You know? Yeah, it's um, Thanksgiving
5: is their big thing then, and and they just
2: it is exactly for some places
5: for some places like Christmas is just one day.
2: Oh yeah, like for absolutely, like in America, it really is one day, and on the 26th, everything is open as normal, back to full activity with no like different closing times or anything. Mm. Yeah,
5: so you're going to New York, Stephen's day, yeah.
2: I am. Yeah, I'm doing a New York, a one night New York, which is perfect. It's great.
5: Yeah, and is that kind of that? what that? Does that limit you then to en- how you can enjoy the Christmas dinner? Like, do you have to mind yourself? You can't have a uh, drink or
2: the- no, <laughs> I um, no no. I usually uh, go to town on all the food on Christmas Day, regardless. So I'll be fine. I'll be no pity. Um, it does mean that I have to spend some time on Christmas Day packing the suitcase, though.
5: Yeah, that's about. Hopefully,
2: that. the, the weather in New York will be forgiving, so yeah. I won't have to pack all the the serious winter bullies. Like,
5: do you know there was a there was a. Um, um I don't know whether it was ever an urban myth, but I, I did hear it. Um, and my sister was, was was cabin crew for a while with Aer Lingus going back along. But there was this thing that mm-hmm. uh, you couldn't get Christmas Day off for the first 10 years.
2: Yeah, this is an interesting one. I remember hearing this really early on uh, before I started commercial flying. And that's uh, that might be the case in other airlines. Um, but um, for us, it's certainly not so We, uh, as I said, we get it in swings and roundabouts. I have a very, like I have a fixed roster pattern. So I know that, uh, I know exactly what I'll be working Mm -hmm. next Christmas and the Christmas after and the Christmas after. It's predictable. Um, And um, usually what happens is you end up with, you know, a duty over Christmas or you might end up with uh, just Christmas Day off wedged in between um, lots of work. Or like me, you might get very lucky this one particular year and you get a few days off in the run-up to Christmas, which is great. So, you so it kind of comes and goes.
5: you twenty 23rd, 24th and Christmas Day off and then you're off to Boston, Stevens is day. Exactly. That's not too bad. Yeah. Or New York. That's not, yeah. that's no, not it's great. Too, yeah. That's not too bad. Maybe a bit of shopping and <laughs> the sales. As you get. Do, you, do you get time off between getting there and getting back?
2: Uh, yeah, we usually have a day or so. Yeah. That's so there's an evening and a morning for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah.
5: Very good. I'm sure you become rather adept at it as well. Come back to the. Um, oh yeah. Come back to the aerobatics. Me, you were over in um, in in Nevada in in October. Yes. how did that go for you?
2: Oh God it's it's like a distant memory now. It was amazing. It was my first ever World Championships, and um, I kind of I half knew what to expect, uh, but there was a lot of kind of eye opening stuff as well. Um. So the the format of it was that I arrived a week early with my coach um, and I trained quite hard. So I was flying twice a day every day for about five days in the run-up to the competition. Mm. Um, And what was uh, surprising and difficult for me was that during the actual competition itself, you fly very little. um, Mm. So you go from flying, you know, twice a day every day uh, to flying only three times in kind of 10 days. So Mm. it's quite strange. You really have to, like, you know, mind your energy uh, and ramp it up at the right times in order to fly that one competition flight, you know, that you've been kind of anticipating. Yeah. So that, that was, that was quite challenging. Yeah. Yeah.
5: So You talk about flying every day. Are you working now this way? Where, where are you headed in the next few days? Like uh,
2: with work flying? Yeah. I'm on duty later this afternoon. Uh, I'm doing some uh, London's out of Cork. So I'm doing the Heathrow run. Um, okay. And uh, I've I think I'm yeah I'm in the middle of my week right now so I've got a, a few more European duties before my my Christmas time off yeah excellent
5: all right okay well we can assure listeners who will recognize your name and maybe recognize your voice on an intercom. You won't be doing a loop the loop over so just No, know. no. No,
2: I promise not. No, I have no intention. It would be very civilized, very straight and level, all the way to Heathrow.
5: All right, listen, Laura, have, have a great Christmas and continued success in the aerobatics business. And indeed, as a um, first officer with Aer Lingus, there's a little bit of insight down to something you didn't realize. And that seems to be an urban myth. You can't get the Christmas Day off. But, but we, we, you see, we close this country. Thank you, Laura. We close. This whole country shuts down for Christmas Day and shuts down for Stevens Day. And by the way, I quite like that. I'm delighted to see so many of the shops, the big shops, not open Stevens Day. I'm delighted. There's no need to be starting sales at five o'clock on Stephen's morning. No need for it. What's it. But besides that, in America, it's just one day. They're all back at work the following morning and they fly Christmas Day and I don't know I don't think I'd like that too much I really don't 0818969696 you want to have a pen and paper or whatever you do to take notes these days aside in the next hour i live have Andy Ferreira from Cask and from Paladar um, Christmas cocktails maybe Christmas tipples you know where we? I, I think I've got some I'm hoping I'm trying to find this fiery Jamaican ginger beer so that we can make Moscow mules at home. Maybe Andy knows where I'll get it. (laughs) Do you ever have a Moscow mule? Oh God. And there's another cocktail. Try this. I discovered this on holidays. Um, Not responsible for anything that happens after you drink it, but it's called a Marty Party. Um, And this I found in a place in Lanzarote that never heard of Marty Morrissey. was Anyway, it's a Marty party, and I sent him a picture of it. Um, it is sangria, if you can get sangria, vodka, and lime juice, and lots of ice. Uh, it's rocket rocket fuel, but you'll love it. We'll talk to Andy after the 11 o'clock. 0818 96 96. 96.
0: We're playing all your favorite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. Happy Holidays. With your local mace. Savings with a smile. All through the Christmas season.
4: Listen to Cork's 96FM while you work. While you work. Wherever you go. Click listen live at (laughs) 96FM.ie. The minds are live. Hello.
0: Join the
4: conversation. Call 0818 96, 96, 96.
0: Text or WhatsApp 083 3969696 Email opinion
4: at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96
5: FM. There's a thing. Speaking of tipples and the things you might have in the house at Christmas, um, I see a warning in the paper in the last few days about Baileys. Um, you should never pour Baileys down the sink. Now, I'm sorry, but you, you should be tried for crimes against humanity if you pour Baileys down the sink. I'll, if you don't want the Baileys, I'll have it. Like. But you should never throw Baileys down the sink. I'll tell you why in a while. Um, also, if you open a bottle of Baileys, who doesn't? If you open a bottle of Baileys, you need to drink it within six months. Six months! Six months! <laughs> Six months? Yeah. I'd be lucky if it lasts 60 minutes in my house on Stephen's Day when the bottle of Bailey's is open. But but there you go. But never throw it down the sink. I'll tell you why in a little while. 0818 96, 96, 96 The number, the text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96, And the email opinion at 96 of m.ie. A few more emails coming into me this morning about people who'll be working on Christmas Day. And we want to have that list ready for Friday pj at 96fm.ie particularly if you're someone that I mightn't realise that you're working on Christmas Day Like I didn't know that um, pilots worked Christmas Day but that some of them did at least and I didn't know I, I never have thought that dog kennels would be working Christmas Day never have thought that um, I know that down in the dog's home the CSPCA, they'll be working on Christmas Day. Vincent Cashman told us earlier on. So we're trying to compile that list for Friday. PJ at 96 ie. Yesterday, there was a story in the Business Post at the weekend about a mansion in Washington. A fine gaff which has been bought or is to be bought by the government for 11 million euro, nine-bedroom house. And it was being rented up to now as residents and offices for the Irish ambassador to the US. And it came out in the business post at the weekend that the government is buying it for 11 million euro. And the man who came to us with that story yesterday was very annoyed about it. He thought it was an awful waste of taxpayers' money at a time when we have a housing crisis, at a time when there's people queuing up outside penny dinners and feed Cork. Jim was the man's name. He was really put out by the spending of that money on a, a mansion for the Irish ambassador to the US. Now, look, she can't live in a two-up, two-down. You know, she can't live in a, in a one-bedroom flat uh, down a back street in Washington, D.C. But at the same time, uh, he was put out about spending that kind of money. And th- there's more to that discussion than than meets the eye. Some people making the point. Kevin was making the point yesterday, in fact. Look, that'll be more than just a gaffe. It'll be a place for a lot of work to be done and there'll be a lot of work conducted in the offices in that house which will be a benefit to this country. You're thinking, Stephen, that that may actually be money well spent. Good morning.
14: Morning, Peter. Indeed, yeah. I think it could be a very good use of... uh, You think that the 11 million euros or 12 million million or whatever is a grand headline-grabbing figure. Right. Right? The thing is rented. So how much are we paying in rent? I have no idea. But like if we're paying, if there's half a million a year, just for argument's sake, the rent is only most likely going to go up, increase. So if they buy the thing for 12 million, they have it paid for in 24 years. They have an appreciating asset. So, and with, without ongoing payments. So I think, you know, as I said, $12 million, $11 million euro, you know, headline grabbing figure. But you have to look at sort of as said, the bigger picture. Mm.
5: Jim's point was that there's a queue outside the penny dinners, and we're spending eleven million quid on a gaff for an ambassador.
14: Mm. Yeah, but my my point being that it's all about uh, getting the best value for your book and constantly paying a million, half a million, a million, whatever it is euro a year to me, is a bigger waste of taxpayers' money. Mm. When you could actually buy the thing and if they wanted to flog it down the road, if things were really, really bad, it could probably be an appreciating asset anyway. Yeah.
5: And Would you think that we need a nine-bedroomed mansion uh, with a cinema and a swimming pool?
14: Well, that might be a bit, but, but like, you, you, you look at embassies all over the world for any country. I mean, they're I mean, ambassadors' residence. They're generally, as you say, not a two-up, two-down. No. So, So, um, and we're talking about Washington, um, where Ireland has a reasonably good uh, reputation and a reasonably good say in some of what goes on, yeah. and that's a bit of prestige. And if you're having, if you're hosting stuff so at the ambassadors' residence. Uh, you can do it on a three or four bedroom.
12: So,
14: yeah, I mean, I, a lot of it is probably perception, but, yeah. but that, that that's the way those things kind of work. Is it a fair whether comment, we, Stephen, like would you think?
5: Not? Is it a fair comment that, yes, we're a small country, um, but we punch way above our weight, and in Washington, D.C., we enjoy certain unique privileges, one of them being a meeting every single year with the incumbent president on our national holiday, which I don't think anybody else can boast in the world. And we need to be shown to punch above our weight by by investing in a decent, a decent office for our embassy.
14: Yeah, that's what I would be... That, that would be my take on it. And as I said, why um, bother renting the place if, the thing, if you can buy it and you, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me is a more prudent use of time. Ta- as I said, the, the, the eleven, twelve million uh, 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 in the current climate is a grand headline-grabbing figure. But in the whole scheme of things, if you look at the, the like, it's infinitesimal in the in, in 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 the budget of the of the country. And another way of looking at it.
5: Yes, yes. Here's something else as well that's come up, Stephen. You may or may not know about this one. This is the, you, you've seen the picture of the house. But there is a... The Embassy of Ireland in Washington is located at Massachusetts Avenue and was bought by the Irish state in 1949. So we already have a building in Washington, D.C. Is this a second one? Is that where the office... Mm-hmm. Is this just a residence for the ambassador? In which case, well, that could true. be... That yeah. might put a different twist on it. Well, <clears throat>
12: yeah,
14: but... In, in a lot of the situations, the, the ambassador's residence is actually used for entertaining as opposed to the office of the embassy itself. Hmm,
5: I understand. You
14: know? Yeah, see? So, um, like, if you're having, say, a dinner party, you're not necessarily having it in, in, in one of the offices in the embassy.
5: You're not having it in the canteen in yeah. the embassy, exactly.
14: Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? So, as I said, the thing is there anyway. We're paying for it. We're paying whatever the rent is, so... There's a headline-grabbing figure with friends, but we look at the bigger picture that's
5: in my clean. book. Fair point. Stephen, thank you very much. Stephen O'Callaghan, that's the latest. It's a lot of money, but like you said, you, if you're, you're buying in Washington, D.C., you're buying an appreciating asset, you'll pay it off. How much are you paying in went anyway? Uh, some of the embassies in Dublin, yeah, if you go to... Have you ever, have you ever done that, the, the kind of embassy tour? In Dublin, all the various embassies located all around the one place, and they're huge, like, and they're lavish. And, they're, and some of the embassies have small offices built into the ambassador's residence all on the one location. And you're Mr. Ambassador. You were spo- So if it's a thing that we already have a set of offices in Washington, D.C., at a place called Sheridan Circle, and we're buying this other place as a resident, is Sheridan Circle still going to be in use? They're going to sell it? Because if they sold... Sheridan's, I've no idea where Sheridan Circle is. But it just sounds nice. If they sold it, they might half pay for the new gaff, which has a swimming pool and, and a cinema. Do you know, though, I was talking, I remember, my, my, my good pal, and we were, we were in school together, myself and, and Dan Kiley. Dan and Linda, of course, of Vox Pro Stroke, Tellus, and many other such huge ventures in between. I remember talking to Dan over a pint In Barry's a few years ago, and we were chatting about this, and he was just back from the states, and he'd gotten invited to one of the functions that happens around St Patrick's Day. And at that stage, himself and Linda were major players internationally and tour, and they still are. But (laughs) I remember him saying to me, "I got invited," he said, "and I had no particular." Person to meet or nobody to be dealing with, but I was invited and I went and put on my best bib and ducker and went there for St Patrick's Day. And he said the amount of business being quietly done over coffee and canapes and maybe even little wet glasses would knock your socks off. He said, and you go to a pl- uh, These things and we look at them from a from afar and we think, oh, they are now the high polloi, clicking glasses and all this kind of thing. Business that's being done is unreal. Yeah, every time, <laughs> reminding me here, every time you hear about an ambassador's residence, do you remember the ad? Do you remember the ad for Ferrero Roche? We'd find it somewhere if we went looking for it. There was an ad, do you remember that? The Ferrero Roche, the ambassador's residence. Remember those? It's there, it's there somewhere. We'll find it. 818-96-96-96-96-96 oh,
0: we're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. Merry Christmas! With your local mace. Great value deals for family and friends this Christmas.
9: Question 10. What God would petrify you if you looked at her? Medusa. You want the rank code details now? Woo! Are you that
4: confident? I'm that confident. So you're saying so that there's no point to me even, like... Oh, there's no point uh, building up deprecation You look Medusa in the eyes and you turn to stone, but you can unstone yourself with two grand. You just want Ooh, to... Shaka Laka!
6: Shaka Get yeah. in, yeah. I'm
0: in love with the m-
4: Oh, not late walk, no.
0: Unbelievable!
4: Oh, ten out of ten. <laughs> it's fortune. Sure <laughs> <laughs> two grand, Thank you very much. Yeah, the two grand minutes.
0: I'm getting money. lesson to play at seven forty and eight forty every day.
4: Lorraine and Ross in the morning. The money. On Corks ninety six FM.
5: Yeah, we found it. We found it. And um, this is from nineteen ninety three or four. Here we go. The ambassador's receptions are noted in society for their host's exquisite taste that captivates his guests. Oh,
15: yeah.
5: Ferrero Rocher, a taste sensation, rich, luxurious, unique. Excellent. Monsieur, who is Ferrero Rocher? You're really
0: spoiling us.
5: Ferrero Rocher, a sign of good taste. Yeah, and they used to make them in Cork. Didn't they make them? Now, they made them or packed them. Ferrero, Russia. Ferrero had a big factory. Anyway, that's the ad that we were talking about, the ambassador's residence ad for the 90s. Ferrero, Russia. Oh, wait, one 96, 96. How do we get dragged down that particular rabbit hole? Who cares? It was fun to be down there. Robert says, when you're discussing this, think of another house sale that made the news recently. The house in Kinsale, lovely house, a private residential house, 5 million. And that wasn't in a diplomatic area, which is a very, very true point. Oh, wait, one eight, 96, 96, 96. Now, grab your listening gear around this. Nullig O'Connor, she was on The Voice of Ireland a few years back. She's now based in New York, and she was just singing that in a busk at the side of the road because she works... She works as a journalist with Storyful, and uh, back, you're back home for the Christmas, Nolik. Good morning.
15: Good morning, yes. I just got back to Buttevant recently, Buttevant. and it's good to be back.
5: A Buttevant, girl. i have forgotten about the... I new North Cork. Buttevant had forgotten yeah. about. Yeah. So you're in Storyful. That's a huge company now, isn't it?
15: Yeah, it's part of News Corp now. It used to be... Started off in Dublin with Mark Little, and it just got bigger, and... They found value in it, and uh, yeah, so now in the middle of New York City, but we also have the Dublin office, Sydney and London as well.
5: Yeah. How long have you been in New York now?
15: Would you believe, it's actually, so on New Year's Eve, it's going to be 10 years since I first immigrated.
5: Good Lord. Ten I three. was looking back at the the Voice of Ireland archives, and it's i would forgotten oh. how long ago it was since you were in. It the first series you were in.
15: It was the first series, yeah. Uh, I was in college. Told nobody I was going, and yeah, that happened.
5: Yeah, and so. do you still sing? I mean, obviously you do with when you see a guy busking, but do you still sing um, at all?
15: I actually, I I sing to myself in my room. That's about it. <laughs> just so I know, but like just that video, like I don't know why it keeps coming back. Like it. Um, I remember the evening like really well that I was out with my friend Nora and I actually had a very good day at storyful like I love my job I love what I do um and I just felt really good about my ability for some reason and we were walking through Union Square I saw the guy he had a sign come play a song with me so I was like you know what I I want to I'm going to do it mm-hmm. and I'm not going to feel uh you know the nerves or feel stressed or like forcing myself to think of something on the spot so yeah I just went up and I sang thought nothing of it and like literally just went away and then two months later he posted it on YouTube and I knew something was weird because I was getting all of these follow requests and I'm like <laughs> what is going on here
5: <laughs> well you you, 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 you you knocked it, you smashed it and and then of course it became such a big hit during the World Cup so you were probably plagued with requests to sing it everywhere you went during the rugby oh World yeah
15: Club. yeah so, yeah, I phoned it in.
5: <laughs> so you're back. You're back in. Both of the draw of home is too strong at Christmas.
15: Yeah, um, I only missed uh, one Christmas while I, I'm in New York, and it was dreadful. I was so upset. I wasn't expecting it, but uh, mm-hmm. there's just something. Was that because of
5: COVID? Like
15: it? No, it wasn't. I was here during COVID. Uh, that's a, a different story. But uh, it was like 2000 and. 16, I think. And um, I remember like a parcel was supposed to arrive from home. And we just missed the postman. And I was just got it because I had like even like nothing physical, even to like, you know, have from home with me. And I just found it really, really difficult. So I was like, you know what? I'm mm. not in that again.
5: Yeah, the draw of um, home is something else, isn't it? For the people we talking to people overseas, like they, they love where they are, they love what they do as you do. They love the city or the country where they are. But there's nothing like Cork at, all,
15: at Christmas. There's nothing like Cork at Christmas. Yeah, especially like just your family. and But sometimes it takes taking yourself out of it to kind of see clearly what is there. You know, yeah. it's always it's amazing to come back. Always, like that feeling, is really nice too. Yeah,
3: yeah. So
15: I'm not sure if it would feel the same always, unless you were living abroad. You know,
5: what's what's life like in New York at the moment? I mean, Storyful is a huge company now, as you said, and you're you're there with, with them a few years. Outline for for listeners what 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 Storyful does.
15: So we we verify social media content that relates to breaking news. So imagine uh, an earthquake happened in Japan. We would get an alert on that and then jump on social media. So that could be X, Facebook, Twitter, or sorry, X and um, Instagram, social media platforms looking Mm. for videos that people in that location have posted from the scene. It could be rubble. It could be something shaking. It could be even like written updates like, oh, my God, what was that? Not all of this stuff. So we would kind of trawl through the latest information coming out in real time around uh, something that happened, essentially. And we would get in contact with them, we would talk to them and ask them if they recorded video, ask them to send it, and then we write it up super mm. fast, put it on newswire, and then our news clients can download that and then yeah. report on it. Ver- so, Verification um,
5: we, is a lot. I remember when Mark started story- Storyful, he gave mm-hmm. a couple of interviews. I mean I think it I think I might even have talked to him here about it. He gave a couple of interviews where he said there's so much Nonsense out there on social media. That there's an opening in the market for for proper journalists to filter the facts and make sure that that's all that gets published. And that's what you do.
15: Yeah, absolutely. We post or we sorry, we write like factual information um, as we know them in real time. What have authorities said? What have local officials said? What are people on the ground saying? And trying to merge those all together to figure out what is actually going on here. Mm. Um, we, and to verify something, it's, it's mainly like talking to the source enough, um, Mm, for the location we would uh, try and confirm that using like map imagery yeah. and then the date we'd have to corroborate with like uh, official statements authority statements and stuff yeah. like that
5: so. Old, old, good old fashioned gumshoe journalism, there's not a lot of it left and it's great to see a story doing so well in doing it. Living in New York for 10 years versus living at home in, in Cork, like What's it what's the cost of living like over there? Now I haven't been to New York for Yonks, so what's the cost of living like? Uh
15: it's not great now, I'm not gonna lie. It's a bit expensive. Uh it's getting more and more. Um But you know, I was in the I was in Centra or no, I was in like a supermarket uh recently and I saw bananas were like to something and I'm like that is literally the only thing I've seen in Ireland <laughs> it costs more than in New York. Really? Because in New York they're like yeah in New York a bunch of bananas is like 60 cents so I was like taken aback but anyway they must have been organic I don't know. Well they're slightly uh, further to
5: travel as well I supposed to get
15: here <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I suppose <laughs> but um what else I mean rent is like astronomical as well um I want to like see if I can move out of like to another apartment, but uh, Jesus, the rent is actually kind of scary um to and then like for like for groceries and living i mean i'm it's just it's very expensive, and you do need to budget, yeah. so it's the same anywhere. I'm sure like here it's not much better, but it's all about just being better with your money, which I really need to do.
5: <laughs> you're living in the literally the city that never <laughs> sleeps.
15: Yes, and I'm in Manhattan as well. So, like, I oh, really. Get talk that about too. being the beaten
5: heart of it, like.
15: <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not easy. Uh, yeah. When you step outside the door, you just feel compelled to, like, spend money. Like, it's really weird. You <laughs> see, <laughs> you see a ne- bodega. It
5: <laughs> could nearly cost you money to step out the door. <laughs>
15: no, it does, like.
5: <laughs> you never lost that um, North Cork accent.
15: Oh. And that's because I work. I work with some Irish people in um, the New York office in right. Storyville. They're from Kerry, and uh, they uh, so kind of they do, they do. Um, but uh, it kind of it brought it kept my accent going because it was slipping away there in the middle. But I got it back. So
5: yeah, do you, do you, is there. There is clearly an Irish community in, in Storyful, but do you get involved with Irish clubs? Do you do you go to Irish bars? Do you do all Irish things? Like, is are you really like the uh, the Irish girl in New York, or have you in- infiltrated New York if you want? Or are you still just are the Irish in New York? Are they still just the Irish in New York? If you know what I'm trying to get at here, um,
15: I'm not the Irish girl in New York to be honest. I like my Irish friends are the Storyful crew and uh before that it, i was mainly surrounded by uh like american people cuz i i just thought you know i'm here in new york um i'm going to, but i did start i will say when i first arrived in new york i reached out to certain people um who were advised to me that i should reach out to who did help me um at the start especially with journalism um but I go to Irish bars. I go to the GAA finals. Oh, do you? in the hurling. I do. Um, and like Cork have a good chance. Eventually, we just need time. <laughs> and um, we, yeah, and that—that's good crack. But they're—they're they're like one day a year kind of thing. Um yeah. And then I go to Irish consulate events, or there was something at the Irish UN headquarters which is really good and you do meet people in that kind of realm of like networking and different Irish professionals which is really interesting so I'd highly advise like any Irish coming over to like go to those kind of events because they are really interesting
5: there's a thing if anyone is thinking of going over and there's lots of people emigrating for a year or two uh, just to see the world now if someone is landing in in New York what's the first couple of things that they need to do to settle
15: Um, they'd need to, before they arrive, I would say, look up who, look up what you want to do, figure out that, (laughs) and then go from there, um, reach out to people who are there already and just be like, I'm planning on doing this. If you are around for a coffee, You know, that would be great. Please let me know. Thank you for your time. Stuff like that. I'd also just kind of use your initiative as well. If you know what you want to do, then like they don't even need to be Irish. Like contact the HR office, contact like different, if you can find an email for whatever company you want to work at or a person you want to work with, you know, email them and like ask them for their advice for any help because everyone carries advice and we all started somewhere. Yeah. Um, so it, I would say it, it, don't be afraid it
5: used to be a thing in, in the 80s and into the 90s that you could you'd get off a plane, get a cab or a subway into town, find an Irish bar, announce yourself and say I need work and work would be found, now I imagine that has changed
15: no, no, that doesn't exist, I don't know who said that now no? <laughs> no, back in the I 80s I would have known a few experience. fellas
5: that did that, yeah
15: Right. God. Well, that is yeah. absolutely mad. Turn up, in an Irish imagine that, yeah. Turn
5: up in an Irish bar. Uh, I need work. What do you do? I'm a plumber. And there'd be some work would be found. Now, there was right. no paperwork involved here, but like, do you
15: know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I've never heard that before. You'd probably be like,
3: <laughs> "Is he
15: okay?" <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, that time, time, times have changed. So, when are you heading back?
15: i um, heading back just after Christmas, so I think it's the third of January. Okay, so a bit of time.
3: Nice little break. Nice little
15: break. All yeah, right. it is nice. Okay. So, um, oh, and just for that zombie video as well, can I just add that in the there's like a long version he put up. And he kept asking me questions and I just really wanted him to stop asking me questions because I was getting increasingly nervous, like, oh, my God, why am I doing this? And uh, I made it sound like Limerick is a small town outside of Mallow. But I was getting confused. Butterfint is the small town outside of Mallow, (laughs) is what I should have said. And I was getting confused in my brain, which... Happened happen. in that response.
5: <laughs> I don't think anybody picked up <laughs> but but I, did, I did. I did watch no, the whole some, six and a half minutes, by the way.
15: <laughs> right. Well, no, some people did, and some angry Limerick people were like, Oh, God. Would She cop on the big Egypt. <laughs> <laughs>
5: ah, yeah, that's that. But that's them on a good day.
15: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's oh, the
5: thing God. Nullig. Christmas.
15: I know. I'm very in season. It's great. I love to go to done stores and see all my merchandise. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> in, in I, the buy, I buy I
15: buy up at the shop.
5: <laughs> Law Nolik, your day, you know. Listen, have a good one with all the family and friends back in, in Budavent. And good luck when you head back to do the wonderful work that Storyful do in New York. And that's where she went to. Nolik go connor off the voice. You'll find the video. If we have it, we might even share it. Uh, fabulous voice on her. Doing the cover version of Zombie. Thanks, Nolik Have a have a have a wonderful Christmas. Storyful do great work. There's so much nonsense on the internet, absolute trash, you know that, you don't, you don't need me to tell you. But Storyful, like like she said, they they take it, they filter it, they verify it, and they put out what's actually true, what they can actually verify. So you should be following Storyful if you want the truth of what's happening around the world. Thanks very much, Um to Nolik. 0818 96, 96, 96 We will catch up with some more Corconians uh, abroad over the next couple of days. If there's anyone you think we have missed that uh, might be uh, interested in taking a call from us, just let us know who they are. Opinion at 96fm.ie or if you're away and you'd like to chat, uh, maybe Thursday or Friday, Opinion at 96fm.ie. If you're listening to this on repeat or on podcast, the email is the best way to get in touch, at opinion at 96fm.ie. Finn was watching that video of Nullig at the weekend. Sensational, says he. What a voice. Haunting and beautiful it is indeed. And back to Ferrero Rusher. Did you know, says John Long in Y'all, someone always knows these things. Did you know that Ferrero Rusher sponsor the Christmas lights in Warsaw? Do they now? They're beautiful. It's a shame they don't sponsor ours. And he attaches a photograph. Wowzers. Wowzers. They're the Christmas lights in Warsaw, Poland, sponsored by Ferrero Roche. <laughs> 0818. Yeah, okay. Roche. Get your axe. Ferrero Roche. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember when Ferrero Roche were posh. And you could really impress someone by buying. They used to do a half a dozen of them in a plastic box, like an egg box, and it was folded over and it had pretty wrapping on it. Yeah, indeed. Where's that voice note? Oh yes, the apps. Oh yes, let me let me try and find that because there was a there was a Ferrero factory in Cork, and I'm not entirely sure if it is still there. But then this WhatsApp has come in. Hang on, a tick now like hit this. So this, this might tell us more.
9: Yeah, the Ferrero had brought back a lot of good memories. Love the Ferrero Rocher. I actually work for Ferrero myself. Uh, we're up there Port Hill still. Uh, all we do is tic tacs. Um, but they did give us a huge hamper there for Christmas that had basically everything that Ferrero make in it. Uh, like the Rocher and uh, is it the, the, the Raffalos, the Rufalos, you know, the coconut kind of Ferrero Rochers. And, uh, do you know, there was Nutella and loads of kinder stuff and uh, loads of stuff that you can't get anywhere near in Ireland as well. You know, the things that are just sold on the continent and stuff. But um fantastic camper, uh, especially if you have kids. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, still here on
13: Cork,
5: but just Tic Tacs. Thanks, Owen. There'll be a sugar rush in that house. Told you about Baileys and how you should never put it down the sink. I didn't know this. It was in the mirror in the last few days. um, And tradespeople, particularly plumbers, who might be called out in an emergency to unblock toilets and unblock pipes, remind us that we should never pour leftover Baileys or out-of-date Baileys down the sink because Baileys has cream and fat in it and Baileys when it meets with other things down the the toilet or down down the sink, well you've heard of fatbergs those things that block pipes apparently, so I'm told leftover Baileys poured down the toilet or poured down the sink can lead to the fatbergs in the sewer system it also reminds us that Baileys should be drank within six months of opening the bottle that 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 really doesn't become a problem i think in any house that i know that bailey's lasts for 6 months in an open bottle i'm just wondering what the concept is i've never heard of this before can someone please tell me what is this what is this leftover bailey's of which they speak. I've, I've never, never heard of such a thing.
0: Join the conversation.
5: Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is The Opinion Live
4: with PJ Coogan. March 96 FM.
5: Last time to hear this audio with O'Cruley Butchers. Today, €300 Euro voucher every day this week to sort out all the Christmas meat. 60 years in business, O'Cruley Butchers, a cork-run business with a rich heritage Offering all sorts of quality meat and produce. So we have a chef in the kitchen every day cooking something very familiar. But what is it? It's Kevin Dundon today. What is Kevin
9: cooking here? You either love them or hate them. If you do them my way, put them into boiling solid water. You're gonna cook them five to seven minutes. We're gonna put a little bit of chilies in there, some chopped chilies and some butter. The heat of the chili is brilliant. The butter is just delicious. You should really try these ones.
5: I'm actually going to try that. Um, I am one of these people who loves them. I don't hate... I love them. Um, you can do them plain. You should probably put them into the ham water as well. Don't boil them on their own. Put them into the ham water. Do that kind of thing. But definitely the chilies and the butter. Oh, that sounds great. Sounds marvellous. We'll have someone in a minute for our €300 euro voucher. Text in to oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, John O'Donovan, you and I, we have more in common, my friend... Then you thought, because my first job was in Roche stores all those years ago. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, sir? Good. <laughs> I worked there. I worked down in the parcel depot with Rocky McGurk uh, and, and, and Decky and, and Eddie, probably, what's his name? Uh, Eddie Carter. Eddie Carter, Pat- yeah, God, yeah. God, God,
12: God rest him. He died young. He, was yeah, a, he yeah. did die
5: very young. And he was a lovely man. He was tough. He, he was, was, was tough. Was but he was lovely. Oh, he
12: was, yeah, but he was a good, was a good lad. You, yeah. were,
5: you were there for a few years, were you? I was
12: there for 20 years. sometime. Yeah? time. It was indeed. But um, what used to happen every year, I mean, can I mention the manager's name? Because he, if he's listening, he'd probably get a laugh out of it himself because Go he's still alive. Uh, John Mackin. Do you remember John Mackin? I do, In, of course. The, I remember yeah. John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he's still here. They have to enter. and and looking good luck to him. Um, but every Christmas week, that time, you wouldn't get the stuff paid into your bank or your wages, right? Uh, he would come home with the Christmas box and he would have a lot of envelopes. And he would come down to our section and he would hand them out and wish you a happy Christmas, a little bone envelope with your Christmas box, bonus and sadness. Now, he came round this year and I was inside in the toilet, right? Just pure coincidence I happened to be been there. So he shoved it under the door. So I said, oh, my God, this is no, Mr. Macklin, the boss is outside and I was in the this and he shoved it under the door. Yes, you are. So he went to it. But fast forward to the following year, PJ. He came around again Christmas week with the Christmas box <laughs> and the envelopes. Where was I? <laughs> the and um, tides. the tile again. Now, it, it looked like for all the world, PJ, that I never came out of the tile since the year before. For right? <laughs> him, it did anyway, right? So this time he didn't show it under the door. He knocked at the door and they came out, looked at me with a heated face, and, you know, like a beggar's manners. And he handed me the bonus. And he said, you know something, John? He said, you're the most predictable man in the company. He said, when I'm looking for you, I know exactly where to find you. <laughs> no, fast forward, to told you, PJ, coming up to Christmas, weekend. didn't what, what day he would come I was like a guy suffering from chronic constipation. I thought I didn't look in the hospital because I was terrified of my life to go into the toilet. I said, if I go into the toilet, no if nature calls, I guarantee I'll be inside there. He'll come around the exact time I'm inside. And if I'm in there to torture running, my job is gone. He <laughs> <laughs> was nice man, John. <laughs> ah he was, but he, he did come around anywhere, and I did get a Christmas box, and I was never so relieved to see the back of anyone when he went away <laughs> <laughs> this sto- did I read this story in the Hollywood? No, that's the one about Stanley Roach, uh, but they don't mention me, but that's the um, Stanley is, uh, was caught short and he was knocking on the door. What the lad used to do, Page, if you were inside in the toilet, they'd put on a mumbling voice and it's uh, Mr. Roach here, can you use the toilet? And of course, so to get you, you just said your get ready to do your business, and you'd have to come out in. But they said, when just taken the rise of whoever was inside there, yeah. but Stanley came up one day, he was caught short, he knocked at the door and he said, Can you use the toilet, please? This is Mr. Roach. And the, the, what, the message he got back was F off, everyone has seen that. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and it was him.
12: Well, it was him, yeah, but that's in the Hollywood one, but I'm not mentioned, but that's, I'm the actual person who said that. Oh,
5: my God. I wouldn't put a past you. I wouldn't put a past you.
12: Well, I didn't know what you said, Toss, one of the last as usual, you know what I mean? Didn't know to the man himself. <laughs> Do you know what? I, isn't it amazing, John, the people who worked
5: in roach stores. So many years ago, they, they, they still have reunions, and they still, it's kind of, I worked in Rochers, oh, I worked in Rochers too. There was something was special there. about it, wasn't there?
12: It was, and I tell you, I meet people still to this day, PJ, and they miss the shop itself, like, because I mean, there was a unique relationship with the staff inside there. You had grandmothers bringing their daughters in, and you got the grandchildren coming in. They knew the butchers by their first name. They That's knew right. the girls by their first name. Everybody knew where everybody was from. I mean, even if they, 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 someone had uh, curtains and they, were going, they weren't sure of the drop of the curtain that came into Lint and, and the drop of the curtain to the floor, the girl would ask them because there were so many people walking from every part of the, of the city. They'd say, "Where are you living? They'd say, I'm Zoe Gardens. Oh yeah, this is what you need. The yeah. girl would know because she knew someone or uh, she That's was right. living there herself. It was and she could incredible the customer. Place, it? it was unique. It was and and can was you remember,
5: John, was there ever a parcel depot done anywhere else that you'd buy your, people, do I, I had to explain it to someone one time, you'd mm-hmm. buy your shopping, you'd pay for it, and they'd yeah. give you a number on a sticker. That's right. And then you went downstairs, and you got your shopping in the box or yeah. the bags, and I, that even, that, I, and I used to carry it out to the car people, because you get a tip.
12: No, oh yeah, what you could, they did a service early, obviously you you had the girl serving you, but you also a girl packing on a lad, who would pack your stuff, then would bring it out to the calf if you wanted If you wanted to collect it later, they would bring it over to the passenger left where you walked right and you keep your tab, your tickets. And again if you wanted to brought out to the car when you collect it from there, that was also done It was a unique service, it was done nowhere else. That's
5: right, yeah, there
12: was... And as I said that, that's why people still talk about the service alone and the staff Sorry. and uniqueness of the shop. It was an absolute shame to see it go. It was, there
5: was a lady used to come in on a Friday and I used to love working the depot on a Friday because she'd come in and we always knew her and she'd give you 50 pence for bringing it out to the car which was a lot of money yeah. back then. John, listen, money. give me one quick Christmas memory. We'll talk again maybe before the weekend but give me one thing about Cork at Christmas. What?
12: Well, I, I think there's three things unique to Carter. We have, and one is the share crib and the share yellow jackets. I mean, that started way back there, which was fantastic organisation start up, and um, that's unique to share crib and the share boys and girls in the streets. When you see the yellow jackets, then you know it's coming into Christmas. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, yeah, I think the Holly Bowl is unique again. You know what I mean? It's iconic. You know, I mean that is sent all over the world to people uh, in America, Australia, Australia, everywhere. I Know people who send it away. And in the, 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 the latter years, I think the tree of Remembrance there by Bone and Thomas there, which people get a lot of solace from as well. Indeed. I think there are three unique things of cock that you won't get anywhere else. You know? Ain't
5: that the truth. John, thank you very much. And if we don't talk before the weekend, have a good Christmas and we'll talk in the new year. Right. What's he What's he cooking?
9: You either love them or hate them. If you do them my way, put them
5: into to boil There's them the them. answer.
9: Sarah's in Glenmire. Sarah, what's
5: he cooking?
6: He is cooking Brussels sprouts, mm-hmm. today.
5: And I love them.
6: I love Brussels sprouts as well, although my little boys now would disagree. They actually call them baby cabbages, and they call them baby cabbages, and Mm -hmm. they won't, even if I cook them, the smell straight away, they're saying, oh, yuck, what's that smell? They won't touch them. And i say, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what's good for you.
5: Well, €300 worth of O'Cruly Butcher's Meat is yours. You've written a poem.
6: Amazing. I was just saying to Emer when I was on the phone, I'd written a poem and I said, you'd never guess that I'm really not organised in regards to my Christmas food when I'm down here writing poems, trying to get your attention and be like, get my meat started. <laughs> Go
5: on. You have one minute. Read.
6: Um, so it is, meat, meat, wonderful meat. It ain't Christmas unless you've got plenty of it to eat. Put the feet up after the roast feast and wait for the turkey sambos and evening feast. Stephen today, the leftover ham is calling, don't throw the crumb or I'll be bawling. We'll use every bit, there shall be no waste. We can make a turkey and leek pie and some soup to your taste. Even the fat and the bones will be used, not for the humans, don't get it confused. For our furry friends who'll be very amused, we'll stew it all up, mix it with the boring stuff, give them the flavour of Christmas and a feeling that's festive enough. Well, so if, we'll that's
5: if that's not worth... A 300 euro voucher. <laughs> the last two lines were, to win this voucher would be a massive help, I must say. So please, please, PJ, could you give us a call? How could we refuse?
6: <laughs> <laughs> I'm delighted, PJ. I was just saying, Deema, you've made my Christmas. Now, thank you so, so much.
5: You're more than welcome. Happy Christmas to you and the family. Uh, and the, they'll eat the baby habits eventually. Lorraine and Ross in the morning, back tomorrow from 6am. This Cork Christmas Story, Miracle on McCourton Street. There's some very familiar voices making an appearance in that. Uh, there's another round of slay or nay and the two grand minutes if you can keep it together.
9: Question 6 Jesse Tyler Ferguson was in what TV series for 11 seasons? I haven't too. It's a comedy. It's about a family and they're very modern. Uh, oh,
6: uh, modern
7: family. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Alright, let's have a look at these. (laughs) Age was correct.
7: (laughs) Stanley
4: I'm sorry. Have you just designated the atomic bomb in James Bond? Sorry. I got to question six of this.
9: You got to question six, yeah.
6: And it got three out of six, is it? You got, one, two, <laughs> you, got you got one out
4: of six. One. Lorraine <laughs> and Ross in the morning. <laughs> Weekdays from 6 a.m. Corks,
0: 96
5: FM. Yeah, no boom shakalaka there. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All your podcasts will be up. A-S-A-P, another day closer to the big day. We're back tomorrow, just after nine.
0: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. With your local maze. amazing value, sure to make you smile this Christmas.
9: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.